Welcome to Overboost 46. Overboost is a podcast interview series featuring discussions with speedrunners about their history in speedrunning and gaming and the runs they're passionate about. I am your host, PMC Trilogy, and with me today is Tainted uh, Tally. Tally, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me. I'm doing good, and thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm ready for I'm ready for whatever summer 2021 is going to bring. As I I don't know, I don't oh, know yeah. how it is where you are. Pretty much the same, I would say. So I always like to start these conversations off with something recent, and uh, in this case, it's going to be something that's not quite speed running. You would you had mentioned two things to me that you've been streaming right now. One of those is mm-hmm. Alan Wake stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for a little later, uh, but the other thing is this uh this resident evil 4 fan game <laughs> and I, I caught a little bit of you streaming it live you had also shared uh, i think uh, uh you know a vod of one of your broadcasts where you were streaming it can mm-hmm. you describe this for me uh, let me know how did you, how did you end up finding this and like also like are you a big resident evil 4 fan to begin with or like what is what is i, I need the whole story here Alright, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a big Resident Evil 4 fan, maybe. Like, it's a great game, don't get me wrong, but I'm definitely a big Resident Evil fan in general. And I don't know how it started, but at some point, this became this whole meme on my channel that I'm apparently, like, really into Leon. Like, he's my senpai, that whole thing. So, I don't even remember how I found it, but I did stumble across this, like, probably three years ago. A demo for Resident Evil 4 The Otome Edition. Mm-hmm. Which is a parody game of RE4, and if you don't know what it is, it's basically take Resident Evil 4, but make it into a visual novel and have it all from Ashley's perspective. And it's just, it's hilarious. I love it. And uh, I've actually had a really good relationship with the developers as well. So mm-hmm. when they finished it, which they did last week for the Resident Evil 25 year anniversary, ah. they messaged me privately like, hey, it's done. Here you go. <laughs> That's so, excellent. Yeah. You know, it's really. I don't know if you saw any of this discourse, if how active you are on on Twitter, but of course we just had April Fool's Day, and mm. one of the big things I noted was the because there's always the normal April Fool's Day discourse, which is you know, people who love the goofs, people who feel they're deceptive and mean. That's normal mm. normal April Fool's Day, uh, but this year in particular, I noticed that there was discourse about the fact that uh, you still had some companies doing joke visual novels in a, in a sort of mean-spirited way, in a sort of kicking down at the genre kind of way. Now, it sounds to me you're in touch with, with the devs for for this game, for the Resident Evil 4 Anime Edition. Uh, this is probably a more healthy relationship with visual novels, something more like, like Hatsuful Boyfriend, which was, you know, a, a genuine, ended up being a pretty genuine visual novel. Are you a fan of visual novels generally, or is this kind of an unusual turn for you? Uh, it's normally not really my thing. No, I think the only one, I, other one I dabbled with was um, Dream Daddy Simulator. But normally, it's not really something I'm very involved in, so to speak. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had fun. I, I, you know, I usually don't do much of that myself, but I, I ended up having someone in my community who was involved in development of a visual novel and, and did a, did a stream of it. And it was it was a fun change of pace. So I definitely yeah. I, to anyone who doesn't take visual novels seriously, I for sure. You yeah, recommend trying it once in a while, especially if you're a streamer too. You know, uh, uh, try that as well. Well, sure. in that case, I already asked a little bit about uh, gaming history uh, and asked to wear not your individual novels, but let's go all the way back to the beginning. 
Where does gaming start for you? How does that come into your life? I, that's been for as long as I can remember, really. Like, I can't recall, like, a specific instance where it started, but I guess PlayStation 1, maybe? Like, that was at least when I was more into it. Although I do remember my dad having Pong as well, so, like, we go all the way back to that. <laughs> so, well, yeah. your, was your, your parents were already into games even before you were around? Not heavily, no, but mm. at least for my mom, she always liked to, like, keep an eye on what's new. So when gaming became a thing, like she was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll pick up a console for my kids. Let's see how this goes." So, so was the was the PlayStation just kind of like a like a, a, a like a holiday gift kind of thing, or was that or was that just just for one of its? You said kids, so I'm guessing you might have might have siblings that you were sharing this stuff with. Yeah, I have my brother as well that I shared mm-hmm. it with. So we were both pretty into gaming, although me more than him. <laughs> mm-hmm. So going, you know, going from there, you talked a little bit about play- what were the kind of games that you would have been playing on PlayStation as as a kid. Uh, my first memory actually involves the demo disc for the PS One. So I remember playing quite a lot of uh, Spyro, uh, which is how I started getting into Spyro, uh, the demo for the PS One game. I played that so much that uh, my mom ended up buying me the second game when that came out. Uh, and I guess my first ever speedrunning kind of thing happened then as well because i had the demo for dark cloud so i remember that was a time demo so basically mm-hmm. you could play as much as you want within a certain time limit so i would like race myself with how far i could make it into the game before the timer would cut off <laughs> so i guess i've been a speedrunner since then but i didn't really take it seriously until much later <laughs> that really makes me wonder I-, I always find those those particular types of demos very interesting where the mm-hmm. demo includes a full build of the game to some extent, but you know it has some mechanism that either you reach a certain event or hit a timer, uh, and then and it stops. I mean, I, I can think of there is I can think of at least one game, uh, Wild Arms, that has a speedrun category where you can use sequence breaks to break out of the demo and then finish oh, wow. and finish the build of the game that is in the demo, which is not a finished build. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool yeah so that's that's interesting I, I feel like there might be other ones like that but uh but no i definitely i definitely a- appreciate the demo disc thing I, it's something i've been visiting mm-hmm. on stream occasionally myself as well and i encourage other people to do it too the playing like the playstation underground demo discs and and the other the other ones of that ilk are, are definitely a very interesting window uh into into that era lots of lots of nostalgia yeah they had a wide category of options as well, because I remember, like, I've always been into horror games, but mm-hmm. I've always been too scared to play them myself. <laughs> so I know Project Zero, which is the European name for Fatal Frame, for those who may not know. I had that on my demo disc as well, and I remember I, I really wanted to, like, see what happened, but I couldn't play it myself. I was too scared, so I would invite friends over and, like, mm-hmm. hey, can you play this so I can watch? <laughs> So you said, you know, obviously Spyro was one that was big for you, but you also yeah. said that you've been a fan of Resident Evil for a long time. So, but you were not playing Resident Evil like one and two and three on your PlayStation because you're no. It came in way later for me. Mm. Uh, funnily enough, Resident Evil Five was my first Resident Evil. Oh. For those who usually are Resident Evil fans, they'll probably be like, "Oh, but that's the worst one." But uh, again, I was scared, so I didn't dare to play them. I would watch them on YouTube and stuff before like Twitch became huge. So I would watch all the games, but only in- when Five came out, I actually dared to play it myself. And then I got really into it. I played mm. Five, played Six, and then I went back and played the other ones as well. Do you have so you started with, with five, but you had an appreciation as a spectator uh, yeah. for the the more classic games. 
what was it like to actually play those games then, right? Because that's a very different creature to play, you know, one, two, three, Code Veronica. Oh, yeah, for sure. I never actually did get around to playing Code Veronica, but yeah, it's very different because, like, when you watch, like, you know the game, but it's completely different when you play it because you don't really make a note of the puzzles, for example, in the same way as a spectator as you do when you actually need to be the player who solves it. So it's still a challenge to get into it as a player compared to watching it. So, but the lore has just always fascinated me. <laughs> I do feel like the Resident Evil series has always done a, a good job of creating, it kind of in the way that B-movies do, of creating the perception that there is a lore that, that matters, even though it's yeah. not really true, but it's still fun. Yeah, for sure. Here's a milestone question for when you're you're growing up with games. Uh, a thing I like to ask is, was there a certain point where you might have taken more ownership of gaming as a hobby? When I say that, usually the examples, like here's an example. Uh, when I was 15, I had a summer job and I saved up all my money and then bought a laptop for myself so that I could play PC games. Uh, do you have any memories like that where you had like a first job and you're like, now I'm going to buy a 360 or you know something to that effect? Not really, no. So surprisingly enough, my mom's actually been really supportive of me playing games. So she she would buy me the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. I remember. So though she wasn't always very impressed though, because even back to like uh, elementary school, I I do remember. I don't know if my mom knows, but I do remember actually skipping school to stay home and play The Sims. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember we had like one of the school days where you're out in the woods, and we happened to be right behind my house. And then my shoe broke, so like, and it was snowy, so I was like, oh yeah, I just need to go home and like switch shoes. And then I just never came back <laughs> to play games. I mean, that's fair. I, I, I respect that. You just <laughs> mentioned uh, The Sims. Uh, another question, like because we're going to be talking about speedrunning stuff primarily. Mm. So most of those are single-player games. Uh, but have you had big multiplayer phases over the years? And that can really be anything. That could be MMOs, MOBAs, uh, you know, your Call of Duty Halos. Have you been into any of those uh, in a big way? Uh, I wouldn't say really in a big way. I guess the biggest one, I did get really into Heroes of the Storm for a while. That's probably like four years ago now because I had some coworkers at work that would play it and we always had like a lunch break where we all got together to play Heroes of the Storm. I guess that's the closest thing I've been to like more of a hardcore multiplayer experience. Well, I mean, really anything that you that you've spent a lot of time with. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say that you had, you had to necessarily go pro. I mean, I <laughs> I, I, I played oh, no. I played Dota in like 2005, 2006, and then you know years later, MOBAs are huge, which is always wild to me. It makes me feel uh, very very ancient. <laughs> But, yeah, I remember actually playing Dota for a bit, but I've never been good at those games. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I, mean, I remember hard. just trying it out, and then like you know, people are toxic, and they would just tell people like, "Hey, you're not good. Uninstall the game." So I just didn't have fun with it and kind of dropped it. No, that's that's very fair. Now, so um, one of the questions, of course, that I'm normally going to ask during a speedrun interview podcast is, um, "When did you discover speedrunning?" But I feel like I gotta ask first because I know you have, um, and, and I'm gonna ap- ask this open ended because you know I want you to share as much as you're you're comfortable sharing. But you have some professional experience working with games, right? Yes. Um, and so, can you maybe give us a tour of that? Because my my impression from talking to you before the interview was that you've been involved professionally with games before you were involved with speed running. Um, yes, that's correct. And so. 
I'm kind of so I I want to ask how did you learn about speedrunning, but I'm is that story tied into your professional experience? No, they're completely separate. Okay. Actually, <laughs> interesting, interesting. Because so I, I, I just wasn't sure, you know, be, just because you know over the years, speed the the sort of um, I guess public knowledge of speedrunning, you know, especially for, I guess for people who work in games, has probably increased dramatically. And so I wasn't sure. I was so I had to yeah. ask that. Well, in that case, let's maybe let's uh, do the. Pr- do you do you want to mention what you've done professionally with games, or do you want to just move on from that? Oh, we can talk about it. I don't okay. mind. Do you know, just give, give just give a tour then? Just you know, mention you know, right. mention what what you've done. All right. So started back in 2014 with uh, what I thought at the time was just completely crazy uh, because at the time I had this game store that I would frequent, which was like locally owned, so I had a pretty mm-hmm. good relationship with the owners there. Uh, and at one point, they sent me a listing for like, hey, so there's this company that wants like Norwegian linguistic testers for their games. Like, have you thought about applying? So I sent in my application. I think this was probably like uh, at the end of towards the end of the year, like fall, October or something. Sent off my application uh, and I don't remember if I did the test then or not. I think I did a test for them. And then uh, it just you know, thank you for your application. Right now, we don't need anyone. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I shot my shot, you know. That's how it goes. I didn't really expect to get anything anyway, because, you know, working in games, it's like the pipe dream that you never sure. really think can be real. So, but then months passed, and I think it was in April, the year after, they suddenly emailed me again, like, hey, you sent us an application way back. Are you still interested? So, you know, I was like, of course I'm still interested. What's going on? <laughs> So we did the whole process, I got an interview and everything, and they ended up hiring me. And I still remember at the time, like, this was in uh, 2014, so I was like 24, and I was like, wow, the, they, they might be scamming me. Like, this is too good to be true, like, <laughs> this could not be real. So I ended up, they sent me up with a visa to work in Canada, which is not where I'm from, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I remember getting on a plane ticket and everything set up, because I had to pay for all of that myself. So I remember getting on the plane, heading to Canada. I was like, wow, I'm about to work in the games industry. There's probably not going to be anyone at the airport. I probably got scammed. (laughs) Uh, But no, I didn't. Uh, There was someone meeting me at the airport, and I did get to work in the games industry over there for three months. And I got to work on Far Cry 4, which was a lot of fun. So it's probably one of the better jobs I've ever had. It was kind of surreal, because when we landed over there, the project had been delayed. So they were just like, yeah, for two weeks, uh, just play Far Cry 3 to get familiar with the universe. You, you're familiar with the game before you get started. And uh, yeah, we're paying you for just you playing Far Cry 3 for two weeks. Yeah, so. that's interesting because I feel like when, when people, you know, like when I hear about QA, it's like, no, like there's, you know, there's there's a, a process. There's a regimented process. Oh, yeah. You're doing things. You're looking for stuff. But it sounds like this first two weeks really was just play the game. Yeah, the first two okay. weeks really was just playing it because <laughs> it, they weren't ready for us to actually right. start testing it yet. So, but mm-hmm. they were like, "Well, you're already here, so we got to have you do something." So you know, get familiar with the universe, so you know more what to expect when the game actually comes in. So that was fun. Uh, uh, it didn't last very long there though because uh, they put me in French Canada, which I don't speak a word of French, mm. so I didn't really have a social life outside of work. So as much as I really love the work, I just didn't feel like staying there because yeah, I, I yeah. can't have just work being my thing. So I went back home uh, after three months over there when my contract ended. They offered me an extension, but I said no. Uh, and then you know I was back doing my own thing, and I'm like, well, it was fun while it lasted, you know. 
the dream was cool a good time to do uh, it in life i guess hopefully for you it was i feel like the oh, early, yeah, early it 20s was. people was like you know go go places do wild stuff exactly you gotta try to shoot your shot sometimes mm-hmm. Uh, but then I came across a, a, a listing from uh, EA. They needed people to do customer support, which is what I was good at from before for their mm-hmm. players uh, in Ireland. Okay. So I ended up shooting an application for that because, you know, like, even though it was EA, I was like, it's still the games industry, you know, it could be a good stepping stone maybe to something else. So figured once again, you know, I'll shoot my shots, see how it goes. And then they ended up hiring me. So I flew to Ireland, worked uh, customer support for EA for a year before they started up a live QA department. Uh, at the same office that I was already working in. So I was like, you know what? I have QA experience. I'm going to see if I can get in there. Uh, which I did. So mm-hmm. then I started doing live QA. Uh, and I did that for about a year and a half before I decided that, okay, enough Ireland. I want to go home. <laughs> enough Ireland? Ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was, it was lovely there. But I was on the West Coast, and I don't think the weather there really agreed with me because I've never been more sick than I have been during the time I lived there. So I, I, I had to go home. I had to leave. <laughs> I, I have a very personal story to share about that. My, my ancestors are from the Northwest Coast of Ireland. And oh, I, wow. I know the climate. I mean, when I say my ancestors, I mean like literally my father's parents. Um, mm. So pretty close. It's not not too distant. But when I went, I visited there a few years back, and like it was the perfect climate. But it was also just horribly rainy and cold and damp and fifty degrees every day. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's the wind as well because it rains wind, yeah. sideways basically all the time. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So I know I, I get it. I love it, but I also get it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I went home, took, decided to take some time off to just kind of recharge, figure out what my next steps were. And then uh, I ended up applying for a job at uh, Starbreeze for uh, someone doing QA again there. Uh, and I got it. So went there, uh, moved to Sweden, and then I did QA for, I think, about four months uh, before they came in like, hey, so we have this upcoming project and we need someone to be more in touch with the community to like help gather bugs and stuff from the beta and stuff while it's open. and eventually the live game as well and since we know your experience with live qa is this something you'd be interested in so i was like yeah sure i'll help with that so i started to you know watch what the community was saying i would help our volunteers to understand the game better and at that point i also started helping our players because i thought it was fun like it wasn't Mm -hmm. something they asked me to do it was just i enjoyed doing it and then they realized hey you're kind of good at that would you make this your official thing do you want to be our community manager (laughs) i was like yeah sure let's do it and that's how I landed where I am today, basically. That's interesting. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's 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 funny that, you know, sometimes when you have the space, you can kind of, I guess, you know, create your own opportunities. And it sounds like you were really able to do that. Yeah. I feel like I'm just lucky for the most part, actually. But it's definitely been an interesting journey for sure. No, that's great. All right. So we, we got that journey. And that's, that's, you know, it's very interesting to see the way you jumped around, both like literally, <laughs> physically. And then also, yep. you know, in terms of uh, you know what you've been doing, um, but you know, this is a speedrun interview podcast, so I do need to ask: When did you learn about speedrunning? I don't remember exactly when, but it was GDQ. I can say that mm-hmm. much for sure, which is probably common for a lot of people oh, yeah. as well, because GDQ is huge, so it's easy to reach people who may not know speedrunning. So I was watching that pretty much religiously for a while. It was mostly the horror block that I would tune in for, but. Then I would start tuning in for more and more, and I would end up watching the whole event. And I had friends who would watch it with me as well. And then I don't remember exactly what the turning point was, but at some point I was like, you know what? 
I should try this myself to, you know, pick a game and see, see how it goes, just see if I can have fun with it. And I did. <laughs> and it was fun. What was the what was the first game that you ended up doing a run of? Spyro 2. It was Spyro 2, okay. Yeah. Now, was, was there any particular reason? Was, that just, was it just because of the nostalgia? Was that kind of... Yes. Just- it was 100% nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up a few runs as well, and it looked like it could be fun to do, so... I decided to give it a shot. And now from, you know, from there, so Spyro 2, classic 3D platformer. Um, but, you know, if you look, look at some of the other games in your profile, you have, you know, Alan Wake's American Nightmare, you have um, uh, Remothered. So I feel like you are, are you, do you feel like you're going towards more horror stuff right now? Or do you think you're just kind of game for whatever kind of stuff you want to speed run? Uh, I realized recently that my niche seems to be horror and retro, so it's either one of those two or both seems to be my thing. Okay, so I'm going to take a chance here and, and get a few, a moment here and get a few uh, takes. So you mentioned already Spyro 2 was mm. uh, the first game that you had done a speed run of. Now, of the games that you have done a full run of... What is your favorite, your favorite speedrun that you have done? That is a good question. I think it has to be Alan Wake's American Nightmare, actually, which is kind of a surprising one because I didn't actually go in intending to learn that game at all. Like, I hadn't even played it casually when I low-key decided that I wanted to run it. Uh, But I did want to run Alan Wake, the main game. Uh, but I was looking at the leaderboards, and it's, I think, two and a half hours long, roughly. Mm. Two hours, 33 minutes or something for the, the world record. So I'm like, well, it's definitely going to take me longer starting <laughs> yeah. out. So it's quite the long game. Uh, but I had a friend who ran it as well, so I was like asking him, like, hey, do you have any advice for, like, you know, where to start with this game? And he told me that, check out Alan Wake's American Nightmare, because it has a lot of the same tech, uh, but it's shorter. So you can just see that, see how you like it, and then, you know, if you like it, you can move on to the longer one. So I did it, and I'm really vibing with it. I'm really having a lot of fun. No, that's really also that's like just what a, a smart recommendation to shout out to whoever recommended it because I feel like that's a, that kind of idea of like dip, dip your toe in the water with a shorter game mm-hmm. or a shorter category or something with similar tech uh, is yeah. just like such a good way to go because you know you get a chance to get, you get a chance to prime yourself completely. It's it's the kind of thing where. Like I, I, I think I recently read a book where someone talks about game development where like it's more important to to ship a small bad game and to have a full mm-hmm. sense of how to ship a game than necessarily to like worry about starting with the right game. You know, like, like oh, getting sure. the full process is just so essential. Yeah. What about now I realize, you know, it seems like when would you say you started speedrunning regularly? Because I know on the the oldest PB on your uh, your speedrun.com profile is 10 months ago but obviously yeah. that doesn't include you know all the all the ops or, or all the stuff that you might not have submitted how long have you been speedrunning now uh only about a year actually so it's pretty on point uh the any percent category which is my oldest one there is the one i did first uh, and i didn't really enjoy it as much i didn't stick with it which is why it's you know the oldest mm-hmm, one up there mm-hmm. so but yeah about a year now do you have a a least favorite uh, game and category of these that you uh, of the ones that you've done, you're like, I'm probably not coming back to this one. 
that would be probably Spyro 2 any percent. Like, I do enjoy Spyro 2, but the any percent category probably isn't the best. I can see why that's not the most run category for that game. Mm. What, is, what is it about it, uh, about Spyro 2 any percent, that just kind of makes it less popular than I, I'm guessing this? I'm not too familiar with the game, but I'm guessing the 14 Talisman is the one that's popular. Oh yeah, 14 Talisman is the, the big one, but with the any percent, it's just really difficult. There are some tricks in it, because the game can be broken apart pretty easily, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but for the any percent, you basically skip to the end as fast as possible, so it's really just the first level that you do, and then you just skip through each homeworld to the bosses, and then directly to the end. Uh, but there are some of them, especially in the second world, into the second boss, that it's just... It's so hard to do, and it was so hard to learn, so I was just like, yeah, no, I'm going to do a category that doesn't have that skip. <laughs> no, that's that's very, very... And sometimes there's, there's... Not just because of difficulty glitches, but also you, you kind of miss too much of what you, what you like mm-hmm. about the game, you know, when, when you cut yeah. it into, into pieces like that. How about a game that you would like to speedrun, you haven't gotten around to yet. I know you've already have one answer for this, but I'm still going to ask this anyway in case you have other answers. Uh, yeah, I have a few that is on my list of things to do, actually. I have Obscure that I'm uh, in the process of learning with a friend. We actually did get started, but then, uh, you know, life happens and schedules don't always line up, so we haven't finished learning it. Uh, I also do Dead Rising 2 off the record, but I haven't actually finished a run for the leaderboards on that. Uh, but I do have I have learned the entire route. Uh, and again, Alan Wake, the main game, is still on my list. I've just been a bit distracted recently with uh, American Nightmare and uh, 102 Dalmatians as well. And I keep seeing games, I'm like, ooh, that might be fun to run. <laughs> so I'm just trying to like restrict myself and pace myself and, you know, don't forget about the games that I already do as well. Do you feel like at this time, now you mentioned you, were, you, you said you're trending towards horror. Uh, are there certain things that you seem like you think you're looking for? Like, oh, about, you know, th- things could be like length, types of tricks. Is there anything that you feel like when you're looking at games, you're like, ah, yes, this could be a speed run for me? Uh, I mostly look at if it's a game that I would enjoy, first of all. And then from there, I will look up the length. Because if it is too long, then I don't think I'll be able to stick with it. I think Alan Wake's basically going to be my limit for that. Uh, so like, I think three hours up is probably not something I'm going to stick to. But I don't really care much about skips or tricks, necessarily. As long as I have fun with it, that's the main thing. How about your favorite speed runs to watch that you have no plans to run yourself? Oh, oh, that's a good one. I would say horror games in general. I, I watch a lot of, you mentioned him before, Ecdysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a lot of horror games and he does a lot of different horror games as well. So I almost always religiously tune into his streams because he streams while I work as well. So he's always up on my second monitor while I work uh, with a bunch of different horror speed runs that I wouldn't really want to do but they're so fun to watch it it's so funny to me that and it's true that that his streaming schedule is your work day like that's mm-hmm. just i mean it's true but it's also very ecdice i don't know if ecdice is going to listen to this but ecdice was the most difficult person to schedule in overboost because oh, yeah? our only overlapping time was like 9 a.m in the morning for me just before he goes oh, to bed wow. <laughs> So, so, but but it was still worth. I mean, actually, Ectisis had plenty of cool stuff to say, so still still worth talking to him. But oh, for sure. But definitely, definitely a hard one to, to get the time overlap on. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned a bunch of stuff that that here. Did you have any anything else that you wanted to shout out in terms of runs that you don't plan to do yourself, but that you enjoy watching? 
Uh, I don't think so. It's really just, I love horror games in general, watching them being run, because, again, I've used to grow up being scared of playing them myself, so it's really cool to see people just being able to remove that fair element almost completely and still play the games. No, that's good. Now, uh, another thing, so let's, you know, we're we're saying speedrun adjacent. Uh, You've mentioned to me that, you know, beyond speedrunning and, you know, having some some runs in marathons recently or, or, you know, going on the the speedruns from the Crypt Hotfix show, uh, which Dick Dices runs, of course, uh, you've been involved in organizing as well, uh, which I always, always like to highlight. Um, So I'm going to start with hosting stuff because you had mentioned to me that you had done hosting duties for a few events recently, uh, ESA Winter, uh, Calathon, uh, No Reset. Um, what prompted you to get into hosting? What was your first hosting shift for a speedrun marathon? Uh, I believe the first one was actually with Thunderthon. Uh, and the main reason I got into that is that it's actually run by a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So he reached out like, hey, you know, we're setting up our own charity marathon and we need people to host. Are you interested? So I was like, you know what? Sure, let's do it. I like speedrun marathons. I like to watch them. Maybe if I can help, that would be cool as well. So I tried, and turns out I'm kind of good at it. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you certainly uh, made an impression. You shared with me one clip from from ESA winner. I don't know if you want to relay the story, but uh, but it was quite it was quite vocal. Yeah, it was a fun one. I remember for that, uh, because usually what I do when I host as well, I would reach out to the runner beforehand with like, hey, is there anything I need to know about for your run? Like, you know, when should I read donations? When shouldn't I read donations? And all those sort of things. Uh, And for this one, this was Serious Sam. I think, believe it, it was known before. Uh, and I had talked to the runner before, and he, he he had warned me, like, there will probably be some screaming donations, because there's a screaming enemy in the game, which is kind of a meme. So he's like, just be careful with your voice, is what he told me. <laughs> and, you know, of course, the time came, we got a donation with the scream, so, you know, I figured I have to, you know, give his value for the money, so I'm gonna scream. <laughs> no, that's definitely that's definitely an honorable series. I think that was Tezzero, wasn't it? Was that the runner? Yeah, it was Tezzero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Tezzero, Tezzero runs lots of great games, and I know other yeah. serious Sam runners, too, and, and so <laughs> I'm, f- I'm familiar with the screaming. It makes sense. Um, it was you- fun too because the same donator would come back because I had several shifts I think I had four of them throughout the run and he would <laughs> recognize me so he would come in for other games as well and still do the serious Sam for a scream meme just to get me to scream <laughs> very good very good now you said uh, your your staff for Thunderthon do you do other things for Thunderthon besides hosting uh, yeah, it started out with just hosting, but uh, I probably because I have a lot of experience with community management and documentation as well. So I started to go like, hey, do we need this? Do we need that? So, you know, I've written up a lot of documentation for them with like the runner guides and the host guides and all those sort of things. And I've ended up just taking on more and more, really, like the entire structure of the Discord server and like the social media. And I ended up doing just a lot of things, whatever I'm good at and whatever they need. <laughs> I mean that kind of labor. I, you know, I, I have yet to. I have not submitted to a thunderthon. But whenever I've seen runs, like for example, when I'm you know pre- prepping for episodes of this podcast, I've had people in the past uh, send me vods of theirs from thunderthon events, uh, and I have been very impressed by the presentation, the, the marathon, and, and you know, everything. So it's definitely. Uh, I feel like. I feel like whoever is involved in Thunderthon is doing a good job, and I'm not surprised to hear that someone who has, you know, I guess, professional experience with documentation and, and you know, uh, adjacent things is is a part of that because I feel like it shows. It seems a very, very well run event. 
Thank you. Shoutouts to Thunderthon and yeah. Chad Thorson, who's the main organizer. Oh, is that okay? So that was one of your vods. Chad was the was commentary, wasn't? Yeah, what? of my Alan Wake uh, yes, one for Hot Fix. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. All right. Now I'm now I'm connecting the dots. Yep. Whenever I'm doing this <laughs> podcast, I'm always sort of like trying to keep names in mind because I want to want to like oh potential future guests. I got I got to think about it. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we go way back from way before he was into speedrunning and or I was into speedrunning as well. Actually, I actually met him through my former job because mm. uh, I was dabbling in voice acting for a little bit. Okay. And then a friend I worked with who was like, hey, a friend of a friend needs a voice actor. Are you interested? And uh, so I met Chad. He was doing some animation stuff and he did a voice actor and I did voice acting for him. And we're still friends to this day. And now we do speedrunning stuff together. So it sounds like... Uh, you know your your abilities, your experience has impacted you know some of your work here in speedrunning, especially with helping organize events and stuff like that. Uh, has it been? Has it flowed the other way? And I don't just mean like in like the literal strict sense. You know, did a speedrunning event come up in community management sense? But I also mean this in like a. I always love to ask this in a general sense because I, I once had a an architect on the show, a musical daredevil, who was like, you know. I, I took speedrunning ideas to my my architecture design program and figured out how to do things more optimally. Has speedrunning impacted uh, your day job? Uh, it kind of has, yeah. Like <laughs> I have a lot more respect for speedrunners now. You know, being one with myself and interacting with a lot of them too. So what I have done once and that I want to do more of is that I've actually had, a, I guess you could call them events with our mm. speedrunners for mm-hmm. a payday too as well. Uh, so when we released uh, a DLC, I don't remember exactly when this was, last fall, I believe, uh, I would come on to one of the main speedrunners' stream, and we would speedrun the new heist together on, like, day one. And that was a lot of fun. So I, I guess it's just more respect for that kind of part of the community. Would you have any any words? Because I, I, I think I mentioned earlier that you know speedrunning is is more more public and more public than it and ever has been, especially with everyone being online so much during the mm. pandemic. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom for speedrunners who might be listening to this about you know interacting with developers or for you know developers that have uh, community managers uh, you know and staff like that about about interacting. With those folks, you know, be it on Twitter or something. Obviously, you know, be professional, be courteous. As I, oh, yeah. I would hope everyone does. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you're not being courteous to people on Twitter. I will find you and I will stop you from listening to this podcast. But even beyond that, would you have anything to say? I mean, just don't be afraid to reach out. Like, sure, as a community manager, I do get a lot of DMs, but I also love hearing from people. So don't be one of those people, especially if you're on the speedrunner side, who's like. I don't want to reach out to them. They're probably too busy. They probably don't care, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, don't think that. Just, you know, shoot your shot. Send them that DM. Ask for whatever question you might have or whatever help you might want. And, you know, shoot your shot. See what happens. Like, if you're, like you said, polite and courteous, you know, more than likely you'll get a response. Yeah, I, I think that the the shoot your shot idea, too, is especially, I, I think, a, a good way to look at it. Because, you know, sometimes you, want, you, might, you might not get a response, but... You know, if you're courteous and all you did was like, hey, you know, here's this cool thing, like, there, and you did it like once, you know, you're not f- spamming them or harassing them or something like oh, that. Yeah. That's, that's fine, right? Like, that's just, you know, yeah. you, you did it, it didn't work out, but that's, you know, that's, that's life. Not, we don't, <laughs> not, not everything works out, but, <laughs> for um, sure. But at least you can say you tried. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. 
All right. Uh, well, you know, while we're on the note of, I guess, living living our adult lives, uh, a thing I do like to ask, uh, especially because the I think like the average age of, of people who game and speedrun is is rising steadily. I feel like my age gets older every day. Um, unfortunately, so, yes. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I like to ask about: uh, Do you do anything to maintain uh, good health? And when I ask about that, what I'm what I'm asking about specifically is usually hands, wrists, but also when it comes to sitting, you know, and being sedentary. Is there anything that you do in particular uh, to you know as a preventative measure? Yeah, I do try to get up and stretch and move around a bit on the top of every hour because I know, especially now as well, like everyone's working from home, which includes myself. There's just a lot of sitting, which isn't good for a long period of time. So I try to get up, move uh, on top of every hour and try to make sure that I always have at least a glass of water on my desk so I can stay hydrated. That's the main things that I do. And I'm also really lucky in the fact that I have dogs because they force me to actually get out as well as I don't just sit inside all day, but I have a reason to get out. I'm basically forced to get out multiple times per day, which is good for me. All right. Well, now you mentioned pets. You're going to have to tell me about your dogs. All right. <laughs> well, I have two pugs. Uh, let's see. I have one right here, actually, so I can show them off. Uh, this is Qui-Gon. Okay. Uh, I have two pugs. They're both, they're both black pugs. They're... <laughs> Very nice to have. It's good to have some company when we're all working from home. Have you had uh, them for a I while? Am... Uh, yes, he's about seven years now, I believe. Mm. So, so he's getting old. He's a bit of an old boy. And the other one uh, is Tebow. He's uh, five. So he's two years younger. Okay. Have Have you always had uh, pets, or was this something new, or relatively uh, no, I new? I should had say. Pets. Uh, I used to have cats, though. This is the first time I actually have dogs. Um, but yeah, I've always grew up with cats, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. when I first moved from home uh, as well, moved into my own place, I actually would uh, volunteer for local SPCA, so I would get a foster kittens and help rehabilitate them before they were adopted. So yeah, I love pets. <laughs> awesome. No, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a, a recent, uh, int- in, uh, recent, I guess, uh, recent convert to the world of pets. Uh, I think probably... It's been about like a year and a few months since uh, I my my now wife moved into the house, and sh- and once once she moved into my house, she was like, "Well, you have now given me the gift of living in a house instead of an apartment, and I've always wanted a dog. So guess what's happening? Mm-hmm. You're now you're not going to be a dog owner, uh, and it's been good. You know, I, I have my <laughs> I have a actually you know this is a, this is a a maybe weird. I had never heard of this breed. We got we got a dog from a shelter." Didn't know what breed it was. It had a curly tail, so we were thinking like maybe like the sh- the the um the shelter said Chow Chow mix, and uh, and we we're like maybe Sheba mix or something. Um, but she she did a DNA test, and it got back primary breed Norwegian Elkhound mix. Oh, I love those. My dad had one of those growing up, and they're beautiful. Yeah, it's like fifty percent Norwegian Elkhound, like twenty five percent some uh, like Tennessee Coonhound, and the rest mm-hmm. just like terror. Um, but it, it was like, what is this breed? And, and of course, you go on YouTube, and there are tons of you know uh, people who are very much into Norwegian Elkhounds. But I was just very, I have never heard of that breed. But I guess it, it is a it is a a real thing that uh, that is that is around up there. Yeah, uh, pretty common over here. Cool. No, that's great. I mean, I it is he's a great dog. Uh, Diego is the, the dog. We've had it again. He's only probably three years old now, and hopefully, he'll have a nice 
a nice long uh muddy muddy life but uh mm-hmm. good to hear no do- the dog definitely does get get me out of the house too i i definitely yeah. that has been a, a a welcome constant especially a happy coincidence adopting him right before the pandemic oh so. yeah for sure like there uh, may be mornings mm-hmm. where i don't really want to go up but it's it's good for me it's good <laughs> yeah. for them so it's yeah it's still still worth doing um, yeah. So we're about we were talking about health, um, and we're talking about uh, you know, you know, obviously we were talking about standing up and getting up and and being hydrated. And I mentioned also hands and wrists. And so I like to ask now, uh, do you have takes when it comes to uh, controllers? Do you have uh, favorite least favorite controllers? Uh, I generally really like the Xbox One controller, uh, but I'm really starting to enjoy the PlayStation controllers more now as well. Like, the PlayStation 1 to 3 era didn't really work that well for me. Like, they were fine, but from PS4 and especially the PS5 controller, if you've been able to hold one of those, it's uh, just so yet. comfortable. I've heard good things, uh, though. Yeah. I think since since the beginning of the year, anyone who I've had on the podcast who has had a PS5 has said that they love the DualSense controller. Mm, it's so good i don't actually have one but i was able to try a coworker's one and mm. it just sits so well in your hands i'm i am intrigued it'll it'll happen it's i'll get hooked in at some point we'll see it'll, oh yeah but, uh, <laughs> no that's that's excited to hear too because i i feel like the people have the most divisive opinions about playstation controllers uh and it's really been all over the place uh especially between you know, you mentioned the different iterations of dualshock um mm. One thing, actually, so here's a here's a curious one because I recently had someone on the podcast uh, who was a big PlayStation One speedrunner, and they swore by the original PlayStation One controller, the pre DualShock controller. Mm, okay, are were you ever into that when 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 you played as a kid? Would you have been playing with that controller or, or with the DualShock? Or uh, I think I had. The original one, although it might have been a DualShock as well, I don't remember, but I know for sure I had the PS1 uh, c- console at least, but mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly which of the controllers. No, that's fair. Oh. That's, I, 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 if I try to remember it too, it's it's very, very fuzzy. I think I mostly had DualShocks and then like one bad Mad Cats controller. Uh, oh, so yeah. I definitely <laughs> we don't talk about those. Always, always the one, either that or, or Pelican or you know, one of those, one yeah. of those brands. Uh, all right, so that's that's some good good takes um let me see wells well okay so here's here's a general question mm. about speed running which is uh do you feel like you have a particular mission statement or role like when you go into a speed run i think you've mentioned before that your, your number one goal is to find a game that you enjoy playing period uh but when you're running uh, do you find yourself just like focused on improving your time? Do you like to look for improvements in a route, or or you, do you find like your any, anything draws you in particularly when you're speed running? Uh, it really is the fun thing more than anything for me. Like I know a lot of people will get competitive about it, and I do get a little competitive with my own time as well. But I feel like there's a certain like threshold that I may hit where I'm fine with not getting better if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like I primarily do it for fun and I don't want to hit that level where it gets more of a chore or more of an annoyance for me trying to hit those good times over something that I enjoy doing so it it really is just a fun and I'm not that good of a glitch hunter as well which I guess I probably should be with my QA history but I'm not (laughs) I mean maybe you know I I, I've always assumed that 
I wouldn't know enough about about QA. That's I mean, it's almost a funny subject in it in itself when it comes to like the things that speedrunners do because speedrunners are trying to break things, but I feel like mm-hmm. usually you know, what happens is they find a, a break in the armor and then just shove as much in there as possible, which is like not normally what what you would do. Um you were watching the stream before we started this podcast. Yes. <laughs> and you noticed that I was having a problem with a game where uh, a one particular mission was crashing because I was trying to complete it in a certain way. And if you search that glitch on the internet, you'll find all these steam threads where people say, I just fixed it by not using a helicopter during the mission. Hmm. And you're like, and of course me, I'm like, well, that's not, that's not helpful. You can't just say go slow. <laughs> like, exactly. It's not the speedrunner way. Not, you know, like, what are you, what are you doing here? So, but, but I think it's, it just, I, I mentioned that because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's idiosyncratic speedrunning, I think. You're, you're trying to look yeah. for particular things. And so I would imagine that, you know, QA is oriented towards creating the best game for the broadest number of people possible. So, you know, I, I, I can understand why even if someone might suspect there is some overlap, there wouldn't be quite quite as much as you would think. Um, an equipment question. So uh, this is something I usually get into when I talk with people who are running some older games. Um, now, I noticed that for, for 102 Dalmatians and Spyro 2, both of which are PlayStation 1 games, uh, your times on the leaderboards are all emulator times so has that mm. been your approach for those kinds of games is to stick to emulator runs to not worry about getting into the the the, the money hole that can be real hardware uh no it was more as my entry point i would mm-hmm. say more than anything to kind of like see you know how do i like this am i this is something that i enjoy doing it would make me try and do more seriously because i do actually have a playstation 2 i did also recently hook it up to a capture card mm-hmm. although i am waiting for a capture card that can handle a ps1 resolution as well i don't have that quite yet uh, but i do want to do more of the hardware side as well but emulator has been the way for me to kind of test it out and you know see how it works and see if it's something that i would like to try try and take more seriously what what capture hardware are you or do you have is it, it sounded like it was in the mail is it is it coming soon what hardware is it uh i hope so it's gonna be a gv usb too i don't know if you heard about it it okay. would be the same one exercise use yeah i was I, I looked down because i was like do i have that right here i think that's downstairs because i actually i was in a fight with that um but oh. <laughs> i i end up, i am i am a person who is typically not uh, too much of a stickler for latency, so I end up just opting to convert to HDMI and capture the HDMI. Um, mm-hmm. I know yeah, that's my current setup, but it doesn't work for PS One, unfortunately. The resolution mm-hmm. is too low, so it's not supported by my HD capture card. Okay, okay, I, I got you there. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I, I <laughs> obviously you're probably aware that there's this whole universe of OSSCs and retro tinks and all those other things mm-hmm. out there, um, yep. which. I, I'm I'm probably gonna stay away from. Is that something that would interest you in the future if you kept playing PS1 games or? Maybe I'm definitely interested in it, but I feel like the price point is a bit high as well. And downside to living where I am, they seem to be really hard to get, and they oh. add, add even more to the mm, price point. Sure. So I, I'm fine with just getting the regular stuff at least for now. Yeah, no, that, that's very fair. Although actually, I recently i I recently had to wait for for uh, Royal Royal Post Mail from the UK because I mm. I ordered one of those PS1 Mem Card Pros. I don't know if you saw that. What that is? 
I don't think I did, no. So this is a product that uh, 8-Bit Mods, which I think is a UK-based um, you know, developer, just came out with where you can, uh, you can put a micro SD card into what fits into a PS1 memory card slot and hey. basically just never never need another memory card, PS1 memory card. It only works for PS1 games. It does work on most PS2s, but again, only for PS1 games at this time. Um, but it's got some some neat bells and whistles because it, it also is able to automatically talk to, uh, to an optical drive emulator that I have in one of my PS1s. So it automatically loads the corresponding... It's very... It's, I spent too much money on it, but <laughs> but it's all this <laughs> stuff, right? Cool. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. neat, but but you know, it, it is it is what it is, uh, yeah. for sure. All right, well, we got through a lot of these questions. Let's get to um, some of the specific games, uh, and particularly the universe of Alan Wake, because we we had talked a little bit about Alan Wake's American Nightmare. I ended up watching the uh, you had done a GDQ hot fix for uh, for speedruns from the crypt. Of, of this game for a very person new game plus but you mentioned that part of your introduction to uh why you picked up this game was that you were generally broadly interested in alan wake uh and speedrunning the full game you know, the original alan wake game uh what is your history with alan wake how did you get into that uh that goes way back to when the game first came out actually and again i didn't play it myself at the time because this was still when i was too scared to basically touch any horror game uh but i had a friend of mine who played a lot of horror games and he picked it up so i was hanging out at his place when he was playing it and watching him play and i just really fell in love with the story Mm -hmm. Uh, i remember he had me try and play a couple times as well but he threw me basically directly into the fights without me having any knowledge of how the controls worked or anything so it didn't go well uh, but I did pick it back up later on, and it just, again, really just adore the story in that game. And, you know, it's been one of my probably most adored games of all time. So it just makes sense for me to pick it up for the speedrunning perspective as well. It's just one of those games that I can just really relax with. That's So, so it's something that it sounds like you've re- returned to just casually, even apart from mm-hmm. returning to it as a speedrun. Yeah. And now, was American Nightmare, like, because I, I know, the, again, the, the narrative is that you had expressed interest in speedrunning Alan Wake. Someone said, what about American Nightmare speedrun? Had you played the game casually before then? No, that was uh, when I decided to actually pick it. Like, I owned it. It was in my Steam library, mm-hmm. but I'd never touched it. So I was aware of it existing, basically, but I never actually played it or looked into the story or anything like that for it before that. Now for this game, I, I saw that you know the category that you had done for um, for speedruns from the crypt was any percent new game plus, and so of course, whenever I see a leaderboard, I'm always very curious, like oh you know like what are the differences? And I went to the leaderboard and I'm looking at it right now, and there is only new game plus. Yes. <laughs> what's up? What's going on with American Nightmare? Uh, so the short of it is basically the fact that you have a bunch of manuscript pages that you're supposed to collect, uh, and once you collect them, uh, they're on your account, basically. Unless you delete your save file, which is really tedious to do, Mm. you have them unlocked. So even if you click new game in the main menu, you still have the manuscript pages, and they're used to unlock better weapons. So that's basically how it becomes a new game plus, because you you have a weapon that you wouldn't have if you recently just bought the game and jumped into it for the first time without doing anything. No, that makes sense. I feel like that's that is there's a certain breed of game that's like that where it's just sort of <laughs> difficult to actually 
uh, create a new game. And I guess even yeah. even difficulty aside, it seems like there just must not be interest in doing that particular route. Because I guess having those weapons helps things along. Yeah, and like it's pretty easy to do as well because the main weapon that we do use in that speedrun only takes 10 manuscript pages. So if you have done even a single casual playthrough, even if you haven't gone out of your way to look for those pages, you have that unlocked, I'm pretty sure. So it's really easy to do. Oh, you know, I had it th- I had this in my note. I should have mentioned this earlier, but I think when I was while I was watching the the speedruns from the Crypt VOD, uh, I, I think I wrote down that apparently it was it was Demonic Robots who did this recommendation. Is yes. that right? Okay. Yes, it was. I so I I have had Demonic on the on the podcast before. A lot of fun to talk yeah. to. Uh, so yeah, he's shout a great out guy. To, yeah, shout out to Demonic Robots. Um, so at this point, you. Are are you kind of putting this run in in the rearview mirror because you're going to move on to Alan Wake, or do you still have further things to accomplish with American Nightmare? Uh, I definitely do have things that I want to do with it still, but I probably won't submit anything to the leaderboards for a while because right mm. now I did PB uh, at the Hot Fix show, speedruns yeah. from the crypt. So I feel like now I have a PB from GDQ on the leaderboards. So it needs to take something pretty big before I can replace that with something else. So. But I do think that I can get closer to the world record because in that PB, there's a cutscene skip and some other stuff that I didn't manage to get. Mm-hmm. So I know I can get a better time. Uh, but for now, I do want to take a bit of a break and uh, before I recharge and come back to it. Yeah, that was that was interesting because I, I, I was watching it too. And, and I was thinking, you know, because, you know, as as one should do during a marathon, you were using some mar- marathon safe strats. Yeah. And so it was definitely surprising at the end where you said, hey, oh, you know, I, I have a I have a PB now. Um, I did not expect that at yeah. all. Like, there was a puzzle where I hit the wrong option, and, like, <laughs> there were definitely mistakes made, so I know 100% I can get a better time. Excellent. Well, you know, regardless of whether we see, you know, uh, Alan Wake or, or Alan Wake's American Nightmare, uh, those games are fun. I've never played American Nightmare, but I did play, you know, the, uh, the original game, and that was... That was, the, I mean, Remedy. Remedy pretty much always makes uh, oh, yeah. fun. Actually, I, I guess maybe now I can bring... Have you gotten at all into Control? Uh, I haven't actually gotten around to it yet. Okay. Uh, I do want to do... Right now I'm doing Alan Wake 100%. Uh, and then I want to dive into Quantum Break, which I kind of skipped the first mm-hmm. time around. Uh, I don't remember exactly why, but I never really saw much of it. So I want to do Quantum Break first. Uh, and then I'm going to dive properly into Control as well. But I have watched Control. I've seen speedruns of Control. I've watched casual playthroughs and uh, the DLC as well, of course, because they do have the Alan Wake DLC. So I was about to ask <laughs> about that. If, yeah, that must have drawn your attention. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's um, so let's also touch base on Spyro 2. Now, you mentioned this was your first speedrun that you had finished runs of. Uh, but yeah. you also mentioned that you know you had moved on to you know the fourteen talisman from any percent. We covered that a little bit, uh, but I did want to ask: Is this you know is this a game that you have uh, you know future plans for? Because it, it's it's interesting when I look at your speedrun.com profile, I see kind of horror, and then I see you know fun three D platformer. Uh, and so yeah. I'm curious: Is, is are we going to see more Spyro or Spyro two? Uh, probably. I'm not sure if I will be doing more 14 tally because I'm actually pretty happy with the time I have given the current strats that I use. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to go for like the best times in Spyro 2, you need to do proxies and stuff. And those are tricks that I just don't really do or have a lot of fun with. So I stick with the safer strats, I guess you can say. 
Uh, but there are more categories for it. I have actually been looking at picking up, uh, uh, it's called Bone Dance Percent, uh, some of the more memeier categories uh, that I wanted to do. And that's one of the things that I wanted to do once I get that new capture card as well, because I tried capturing it with my current one and it just didn't work, sadly. Mm. So yeah, more categories, but probably not any of the two runs that I've already done. Okay, okay. Unless I do it for like a marathon, because I have actually had a community challenge uh, on my own stream right now where people have uh, provided points for me to run through all the games that I currently know. So it'll be making a return for that. Interesting. All right. Interesting. So, well, on that note, I mentioned also, too, I I have more questions, of course, about Mm -hmm. 102 Dalmatians, which is to say, like, was this a game that you had played when you were a kid? 102 Dalmatians? Okay. It was. So... Did you did you watch the movie? This is is this game connected to the the live action movie? It is connected, yeah. And okay. I have watched the movie, but I don't really remember a lot of the movie. And I'm pretty sure the game story actually doesn't relate to the movie outside of it being the same characters. Right. Well, they did get. I, I think I read. I was reading the Wikipedia page for this game. They did get Frankie Muniz though for. Oh yeah, yeah. He's okay. uh he's voicing Domino. Hmm. Hmm. No, I, I had a, I had an extended discussion about this with with my spouse because I was like, well, I think I watched the animated 101 Dalmatians when I was a kid, and she's like, BMC, mm. that film is from the 70s. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> so like I don't remember anything that came after that. It's <laughs> don't don't give me don't give me anything. So what brought you to come back to this game? Because I, I have to assume that maybe compared to something like Alan Wake, you probably weren't regularly revisiting this one. But you came back no. for a speed run. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, actually a bit random. Uh, again, I guess shout outs to Demonic Robots because he was picking up another old game with dogs, uh, Lassie. Mm. And at that point, I was like, oh, hey, I played a game with dogs. I wonder what 102 Dalmatians was like. So I ended up downloading that for the emulator and playing that again. And I was like, you know what? This is really fun. I wonder what the speed run is like. And then I started speed running it. And you you submitted it to a few marathons too as well because I think you had, you had given me the two marathon vods for this both um both Calathon yeah. and Cozython. Yeah, uh, I had it at Fleet Fest as well, and it's just been accepted as well to UKSG, which is coming up uh, later this month actually. Now, as as someone who is doing a you know a, a speed run at multiple marathons, uh, do you feel like there is a particular part of this run? Will you have like a, a bit for where you're like, you know, I'm going to I have a joke prepared for this or like I think this is going to impress them. So I'm really going to sell it. Uh, we do have a few bits. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've actually watched uh, the 102 Dalmatians run, but the category that I currently do uh, is called all levels and bounds, mm-hmm. which means that you do visit all the levels. Uh, and most of them, you know, they have, you know, a level to them. Uh, but there is one that really doesn't. It's called Carnival. And it's really just you run directly through the middle of the level from the start to the end. There's nothing to it. You just run. So every time that comes up at the marathon, we're like, oh, hardest level of the game coming up. This one's really important <laughs> to, you know, you, you got to focus on this one. So I have my commentator just run that bit for me while I pretend to, like, really focus on the game. And that's it. And it's done. <laughs> I, I had asked earlier if you had watched the, the movies as a kid. Have you watched any any Dalmatians films since speedrunning 102 Dalmatians? I have not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should. 
I mean, you know, I, I only I only ask just because I'm I'm curious. I I find myself very curious to revisit some of this stuff when I play licensed games. Like I I yeah. think in the past few months I've played uh, Spider Man Two and Minority Report games on stream, mm. and so I rewatched those films. Uh, and uh, some some were received better than others in the household. A Minority Report <laughs> was well received, and uh, apparently Spider Man Two is forbidden from the house. Tobey Maguire, oh. Spider-Man. Yeah, apparently did not age well. I thought it was fun, but yeah. <laughs> I, I remember it being fun, but I haven't watched it in a while, so maybe it didn't age well. Yeah, no, it's I, you know, I, I'm curi- always curious to see how, especially in in our era of uh, MCU films, to see mm-hmm. how people feel about the old the old Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man films. Um, yeah. Oh, there, there we go. We got we got the live commentary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Do you now? You mentioned you're you're taking this. Uh, just got accepted to UKSG. Um, do you have other future plans for 102 Dalmatians? Uh, not that I've set in stone right now, but I am planning on submitting it to GDQ as GDQ uh, 21. Mm-hmm. So you know, we'll see if we can get that in there or not. Uh, but I am also planning on picking up uh, another category for it. Uh, so Tofu has been teaching me how to do all puppies. So I'm gonna start running all puppies soon. Ooh, all right. So that's do it. And that's okay. So all puppies, I guess puppies is collectible throughout the game. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so basically, the point of the game is that you're supposed to save your siblings. So you're supposed to save all these puppies. But in uh, the category that I currently run, uh, you know, it takes time. There's unskippable cutscenes whenever you save a puppy. So we skip them. You don't actually save any of the puppies. But we're going to be picking up the category where we do do what we're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just brought I brought up the speedrun.com page and I was cuz I always love to just see, you know, how people organize their leaderboards and mm-hmm. I'm looking at the the 102 Dalmatians leaderboard and I just got my eyes got distracted by this bottom of the rules which says previously the end of the run was on rescuing the last puppy without finishing Corella uh, 4, which I assume is the fourth Corella fight. Uh but not yeah. anymore. <laughs> you know. So I guess all right. Anyway, sorry. I, I can't get distracted by timing <laughs> rules on stream, but uh, but that'd be fun. You, have, do you feel like when it comes to uh, speedruns, do you do you usually see yourself wanting to focus on o- usually always any percent, or you know, do you do you feel like there's because this, so this, the reason I guess the way I would frame this question is I've had guests on the show who always seem to gravitate towards, for example, a speedrun category that's an hour long. You know, it could be the hundred percent category, it could be the any percent category, or the all this collectible category. Uh, but it's like that's like their ideal thing, and so they they fix it to go that way. Um, and so when it comes to something like this, do you think the the all puppies is going to be like more your speed than all levels, or? Uh, I mean, I'm not really sure. I think all levels is probably going to be like more of my ideal category, but it's sometimes nice to just break things up with something different as well. I mean, that's kind of what I did with Spyro too mm-hmm. when I picked it up because I had any percent and then I was able to break the pace a little bit with picking up 14 Talisman as well. So sometimes it's nice to just not fully burn out by just doing the same category over and over and kind of challenge yourself and challenge your muscle memory with something different. Yeah, and it's also. Do you feel like when you when you've moved on to Spyro Two is an example of a game where you had started one category, moved on to the other, uh, and then I you know can only assume. Of course, it's easier to pick up the second category. Mm, oh yeah, for sure. Because then you're already familiar with the base movement tech, so it's mainly just you know a new route and potentially new skips that goes with the route that you need to learn. 
Now, I did want to ask, uh, it's the oldest one on on the on your profile, but what prompted you to do runs of Remothered? Because I feel like this run stands out from all the others. You know, even American Nightmare, that's a 3D movement game. You're, I don't want to say too fluid, but like presumably if, if the movement in American Nightmare is like what I remember from Alan Wake, you are more active than your ordinary horror game protagonist in that, from what I yeah. recall. Um, yeah. But Remothered looks more standard. That's not an action game. No, it's not. It's not at all. Uh, shout out to Ignitis again, I guess, because, yeah, I was watching Ignitis a lot at this point, and Remothered was one of the games that he used to do quite a bit at this time. So I would watch him play it, and I was like, you know what? This sounds fun. This seems like one of those games that can kind of help me get into playing the horror games more without being as afraid of them and kind of like see how I can do that whole speedrunning horror games thing. So I picked it up and, you know, Drew Horror's Demonic Robots, both of them also are on that game. They were great helping me out and it was very fun to do. Is this one that you're going to revisit at all, though? I think it is, yeah. Oh, like yeah? I've okay. only done actually two runs of it and I feel kind of bad because I know I could do much better. Uh, but I've been, I actually picked it up again to try and de-rest uh, like two months ago, I think. Uh, but I need to get back and actually do more runs. Now, of course, Remothered is is in the the vein of the, the you know the Clock Tower series, which I'm sure you're familiar with from yeah. watching uh, Dice's streams. Do you have any plans to to work? Because you know, again, this as I mentioned is a very different breed of game, but there is a series that is you know kind of similar. Do those games appeal to you? I have actually been thinking of picking up Clock Tower 3 recently, mm. because uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I actually also got recently accepted to the Twitch team of the Clock Tower. Oh, yes, yes. But I feel like I need to kind of mark the occasion by actually <laughs> learning a Clock Tower game. And, and Clock <laughs> and Tower I, 3 would be the one. I think so, yeah. Now, why, I have downloaded why, it, but I haven't gotten around to actually playing it yet. Why, why Clock? Because I feel like Clock Tower 3, you know, if I were to look at the lengths of the games... Clock Tower 3 seems like it's on the longer side, uh, but yeah. I guess that's still the one that appeals to you the most? Yeah, like it's one of the ones that I'm most familiar with out of all the Clock Tower games, for sure. Because, again, Exysis used to play it a lot. I've seen Demonic Robots play it a lot. I actually commentated for Demonic Robots run as well when he did that for ESA. So mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of studying up on the run already from doing that. So I'm already familiar enough with the run where I think that you know it's going to be easier for me to learn that over any of the other ones. No, that makes and sense. And that's also where the logo for the Clock Tower team is, is from <laughs> Clock Tower 3. So I feel like it just fully embraced the meme at that point. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it, I have watched, I think when I, I want to say when I prepared for both Ecdysis and Demonic Robots' uh, episodes of Overboost, I had the opportunity to not only, you know, catch them streaming it, but also sit down and, and you know, watch VODs, you know, in preparation for an interview. Uh, and that game, that's that's a fun game to watch, uh, for sure. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> if you, especially, if, if folks, if, if you're not familiar with Clock Tower 3 and you love anything uh, Magical Girl, please treat yourself and please. check out it's Clock Tower 3. All right. Well, that is, um, I think that is kind of the the crop of runs there. Uh, let's start, you know, doing some kind of wind down questions as we get towards. So folks, after I, I finish the wind down questions, we will have the opportunity for some, some Q and a, some live Q and a. So, uh, please feel free to cook up some questions and have them ready. Uh, one of the things that I do as a part of this interview series is that I get a question from my previous guest for my next guest. 
uh, and kind of oh. carry that forward. Uh, and so my last guest was uh, Viper Racing, uh, who had this question, which is, uh, what is one book that you have read and has blown you away? Wow, I actually haven't read that many books. Uh, so that's I was concerned. I was like, oh, I, I, I can never tell if someone's uh, big into reading books. Yeah, but I did remember, I used to read Dan Brown's book mm-hmm. back when I was in school. I really enjoyed Angels and Demons. That was a really cool one to read, which is a shame the movie just didn't live up to the justice of the book. But, you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> have you have you played the, because I remember, isn't there a, like a, like a sixth generation Da Vinci Code game? I think it is, and I think I played that when okay. it first came out as well, but it's only like fuzzy memories, and I'm not sure if I dare revisit it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just know it's come up sometimes, uh, and actually, is there oh, is there really not a leaderboard for it? I thought for sure there'd be a leaderboard for it. What? Okay, that's actually surprising. I yeah. know, I'm surprised too. Maybe it's time to start one. Yeah, that's... Oh, there's a leaderboard for Da Vinci's Flying Robots, which I have no idea what oh. that is. <laughs> But, uh, all right, well, I guess... Probably you know, folks, not the same thing. Yeah, it's free real estate there, uh, the division yeah. Code game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does mean that I do need from you a question uh, for my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who that is right now. You know the next guest will be a speedrunner. The question mm. doesn't have to be about speedrunning. Uh, do you have anything in mind that you would love to throw out to this next Overboost guest? I will try to phrase it right, but uh, maybe you can help me with the exact phrasing. But given my history is all with the games industry, how do they have a question or something that, you know, they would like to tell to the games industry, maybe of a game that they're actively running? Okay, so would you have a question or comment uh, for the for the, the games industry regarding uh, the game you are actively running? Yeah, or maybe the, the studio for okay, the game for that they're actively studio. running. Yeah. All right. I'll say, yeah. Because I think that might be an interesting perspective to get. Like, if you could yeah. say anything to the studio that makes your favorite game, whatever would it be, basically? You know, that that brings to mind, uh, I'd be curious, you know, if, if you want to pass on this one, you can pass on it. I know recently, so uh, besides Horror Runners, uh, another group of runners that I've had a lot on uh, the podcast uh, are some of your your classic PlayStation speedrunning? When I say that, I, I think of like Crash, Spyro, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and recently, there was a big update for Crash Four. They did like a PS Five update, PC update. Um, but a lot of the Crash runners were kind of unhappy uh, because oh. they felt like uh, a bunch of very specific invisible walls <laughs> appeared in the update. Um, which can feel very personal, you know. I, I certainly, yeah. regard like obviously, it's, it's not a smoking gun. It's not like we're out to get. Now there was you're probably familiar with the IGN reacts videos, the developer. Oh, yeah. So there was one of those for Crash Four. Mm. <laughs> so there's there is video of them reacting, not in a flattering manner, to some of these things, and suddenly invisible walls are there. Would you have anything for to say to for speedrunners and how to how to navigate that? Cause especially because, as I mentioned, you know, for some people, the reaction can feel very personal. Like I was mm-hmm. excited about your game, I shared this with you, and now this feels very punitive. 
Um, and as I said, I'm I'm couching this in language to say like, well, you know, make sure, folks. Like, just because it looks that way doesn't mean it is that way. Would you yeah. have any comments to runners about this kind of situation? Uh, it's kind of hard because, like, obviously, there's a lot of balance that goes mm-hmm. into that. Because I don't think, I, I mean, I would like to think that Lisa, no developer, goes actively out of their way to harm the speedrunning community. Uh, but at the same time, I guess you would have to like think of the fact: could this affect casual players as well? Because obviously, if it, it could impact the casual player experience, especially the first time playthrough, then you—that's something you might basically be forced to address as sure. a game developer. So, but there's definitely a fine balance between doing that and you know not tripping over your speedrunning like your most passionate fans in the progress so yeah no, maybe I, just try and have that other perspective in mind as well that right. they might have had to do this for completely different reasons it's not a slap in the face to you or something yeah and no, I, I can only think of, i i a while back i uh i think it was it was maxi lobes i had on the podcast and uh he and i had talked about how initially uh i think it was the blair witch like the recent blair witch game from like a year mm-hmm. or two ago uh had speedrunning interest because it was trivial to get out of bounds, but it turns out it was too trivial to get out of bounds, uh, oh. and, and that you know that reasonably because it was mm-hmm. impacting casual players. You could go on YouTube and find people just kind of falling out of bounds mm-hmm. you know, in a random place, and that got fixed. It had to get fixed. You know that was yeah. uh, very very reasonable. Um, but of course, the same thing too is that you know it's funny with with speedrunning attitudes. You know, I, I could tell we're we're both pretty excited about you know solving the problem the the, in, the intended and unintended problems that video mm. games create. Um, but you know, if you go onto the commenting sections on speed articles about speedrunning or videos about speedrunning, you find people who are like, "This is you know, this is against the spirit of the game. This wasn't what was intended." It's and yeah. I have to imagine some of those folks might end up as developers and of course it's not like either there's no there's no this isn't a crime it's not a crime to have this opinion i don't like it i think it's a bad opinion but it's not a crime (laughs) so you can make your game that way (laughs) but yeah for sure uh but you know i i would hope you know i i would encourage people to you know let go let go of control i i you know the one other story i would point to is probably uh the celeste developer who regularly would be like, you know, I made the game I wanted to make, but I also am like patient enough to understand that people end up playing it in different ways. And I'm going to support that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Control uh, as well had a really good uh, way to handle that as well, because uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, the speedrunners will use a downpatched version Mm of it, uh, because a lot of the stuff they use would impact casual players. Uh, but the studio was really great. Remedy is really great. They were working with them to like make sure that the speedrunners had options in place before mm-hmm. they pushed the patches, so that they could continue speedrunning, and you know the casual players would get the fixes in place, so they wouldn't ruin their experience. Yeah, that, it, it is really, really appreciated. Uh, I, I, before the pandemic, I went to a Twitch Philadelphia meetup where I talked to a Hat and Time developer about how they mm-hmm. maintained a separate fork uh, for the speedrunners for for that game. Uh, so that's yeah. really, really, really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we're talking here about games and games that are already out and being supported. Are there upcoming games uh, that you are really excited to play and stream and find out about? Uh, I mean, Alan Wake 2. When are we coming, getting it, Remedy? <laughs> <laughs> well, they are actually teasing it now that it could potentially end up being uh, something that they're working on with Epic uh, right mm-hmm. now. So we're going to be interesting to see 
if those rumors are true and you know what it's gonna end up looking like they've I think it was five years ago, six years ago now, they actually gave us some gameplay of an Alan Wake 2. So, you know, they've obviously been working on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just hoping that it's not stuck in development hell and that mm-hmm. will actually come out in a playable form. Yeah, no, and I can only imagine, too, um, how the pandemic has uh, impacted oh, development. Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah. hopefully what, whatever was happening was, was already continuing along um, anything else besides Alan Wake, a potential hopeful coming soon, Alan Wake 2, uh, that you would want to shout out? Uh, I mean, just came out actually just two days ago, Outriders. I've been having a lot of fun with that. It's uh, If you're not familiar with it, it's a bit of a blend of like Destiny and Gears of War. And it has like that looter shooter thing, uh, sh- cover shooter specifically. Uh, it's been pretty fun. They've had unfortunately had some server issues because, you know, launch and stuff. That just unfortunately sometimes happens and it's kind of out of your control. Uh, but once you're actually in there and playing it, it's so much fun. Okay. You can tell uh, you're Googling it right now. <laughs> no, well, actually, I just noticed, um, I mean, so <laughs> I usually don't have notifications turned on during the uh, during the podcast because I don't want, you know, alert uh, audio alerts getting stuck in there. But the, mm-hmm. the alerts, the video alert should play. Um, actually, no, I guess the video alert wouldn't play because I don't have it. Yeah, so I usually... Uh, <laughs> My apologies to the person who just gave me a, a tip, uh, but I usually do not have oh. alerts on during the podcast just because uh, of that. But um, I will certainly uh, address that in a little bit during during the the uh, Q and A. So, uh, but anyway, let's let's keep rolling along here. Um, who would be people in the community that you would uh, want to shout? I know we've already talked about a few people like Dices, Demonic Robots. Uh, tofu, uh, Chad, are there people that you'd want to highlight as people that uh, everyone should be watching? Cosmic as well. We already talked about him, but he's also a good guy. You should definitely check out uh, Jeerhorse. Uh, he's just also recently joined the Clock Tower team, uh, and he's been a great help with me as I picked up speedrunning and uh, picked up more new games as well. Uh, there's probably a lot more, but like, there's so many great people playing great games, especially in like the horror speedrunning community. So. It's kind of hard to get everyone's mentions out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's very, very, very good. I'm gonna. All right, I'm gonna commit this. Uh, the person here in the in the chat gave a very, very generous gift, and so I'm gonna do something I normally wouldn't do. I'm gonna pop oh. up my my break screen real quickly, just so I can I can play. They wanted the alert, so I'm gonna give them the alert. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see here. I should be able to. <laughs> There you go. Excellent. Thank you, Papa, for that very, very oh, generous wow. gift. Uh, I Hopefully, you're getting everything you want from this podcast. Uh, my apologies again for <laughs> for not getting there, but I just definitely wanted to uh, you know, note my appreciation for that. Uh, and we'll... Uh, time to wrap up the, the formal part of this podcast. Uh, so, I mentioned earlier, you know, what you want to shout out. Now, where should people find you? Where, where, where should they be seeing your speedruns and your other stuff that you're working on? Uh, primarily on Twitch, uh, Tainted Holly is my name pretty much anywhere, so regardless of where you look for me, you should be able to find me on that. I do also put uh, videos on YouTube, especially if it's a PB video or anything mm-hmm. else noteworthy, so you can find the highlights kind of on there. And, you know, I try to spend some time on Twitter as well if you want to see that side of things. So, again, Tainted Holly and all the platforms, really. Yeah. And so, of course, I should have this queued up if you're in here. Uh, what? Did that not fix? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
I I just <laughs> just did this. Uh, okay, I guess it didn't actually promulgate. Wait a second here. Well, you know, the- talking about uh, Viper and the BPG, I actually did host for him at Thunderthought oh. and he got a world record run. So, you know, oh, nice. a good dude to follow as well. All right, there we go. It is now fixed. It is actually programming is hard. But, of course, if you're here with us live, you can see all those links right there. Uh, you can follow her anywhere uh, on any of those places. And if you're listening to this after the fact, if you're listening on YouTube or Spotify, iTunes, etc., cetera, uh, all of those links will be available uh, in the podcast description. Uh, so you can go ahead and get those from there. Uh, Tanya Tally, thank you so much uh, for giving me all this time. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Now, I do need one more thing from you uh, before we conclude the uh, the formal script of the podcast, which is that mm-hmm. I'm going to use a cheesy catchphrase, like, let's boost on out of here. And when I say that, I need you to give me your best rocket engine noise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Let's boost on out of here. <laughs> oh, no. Did... Can you just, can you just do it do it quickly again? Oh, think, did it not work? Did it get closer to the mic or something? Or yeah, no, it just it, I think it it edited out because it counted as noise. I this is <laughs> I think the issue here. No, this is the issue because Discord sometimes I think decides that the rocket engine is noise and just cuts um, it out from the call altogether. Yeah, it's I, like you don't need to hear this. <laughs> yeah, but but it's, some people it doesn't do it, which makes me think that it's like Discord user settings, and I maybe. I, Every once in a while, I look into this thinking like, oh, I'll just tell people to change their Discord settings before the interview. But then I'll have several interviews in a row where there's no problem at all. Hmm. Um, if you want to try and give a rocket engine noise again, just... All right, well, <laughs> we'll try it once more. Do you, do you want to do the, the bit first or should I just go? I'll, I'll do the bit. Thanks, folks, so much for listening. Let's boost on out of here. Discord hates that. Right. Discord hates okay. that. It's it thinks it's noise. All right, I'll have to. I'll. I once added Discord on Twitter, and I was like, "What is what is going on here?" Anyway, folks, uh, I guess we're not. We we did not escape. The Discord is I'm not permitting rocket engine noises. Uh, we're not boosted out of here this time. If you have questions, please feel free to throw them in the chat. We've probably got you know a good half hour here on the front page. So I'm hoping people have some stuff ready to go. Uh, uh, also, Papa, again, thank you. Uh, I hope, hopefully, you saw. I, I switched over to another scene to play the notification. Uh, thank you again for that very generous gift. So, all right, Overkill has a question. Uh, recently, been introduced to reactions of game devs to QAs breaking their game apart. Do you have any stories about that? I unfortunately don't, but I would love to have because I have watched those videos myself as well, and it kind of makes me wish that we maybe had a more active speedrun community for our own game as well, because mm. I would love to set something like that up myself and kind of make an event out of it. Because uh, you have the IGN ones, but there's another one as well. I don't remember who set this up. It might have been um, 
Uh, the developers of Psychonauts themselves that set this up because they had a runner come to their studio to play the game in front of them and kind of explain the speedrun and it was so fun to watch and That's I would love to do video. something like that. Yeah. yeah, the yeah the one where the the runner does Psychonauts for like Tim Schafer and the rest of Double Fine. Exactly, That's, I think it's it was, so good. The, I know the video production was I think it was like player player one or player two productions or something. It was very very well made video too. It was, they did not mm. skimp on the value for that. It looks like such a fun event to do as well, and it's just nice for the runner, I would imagine, as well, to kind of have that, you know, being flown out to the studio. And I'm guessing, you know, they got a studio tour and all that as well as a result of mm-hmm. that whole thing. So. I would love to do something like that. <laughs> are there are there any speedrunners for? Because I know Payday Two is, is is the kind of game that's like oriented around like specific like heists, right? Like that's the kind of game yeah. it is. So I imagine so it's if, more primarily ILs for uh, right, the speedrun right, on that. ILs, so. exactly. Yeah, that would be that yeah. would that would have been my guess. Uh, but I guess it's not not too too active or. Like, I mean, there's definitely runners who, you know, stick with it for every heist, but, like, it it doesn't really make sense in the same way. You can't really do, like, you know, a full playthrough or, you know, show mm-hmm. the whole thing. You would have to, like, pick individual heists or something like that. Right, right. No, that, that makes sense. That's cool. Uh, yeah, folks, you got, if you have questions, we are taking live uh, Q&A right now. So, I, um, one of the questions I usually like to ask during this part is, uh, you know, just, who would you like to see interviewed on this podcast? So I've already had Hello. Demonic Robots, Cosmic, and Ecdysis. So I've already there are already episodes with them. Uh, are there other pe- people that you might have in mind? Bring on Horse. I think mm. he would have uh, an interesting sp- perspective, and uh, he's from Singapore as well. And there's not a whole lot of Singaporean speedrunners, so mm. he might have some uh, cool stories to share as a result of that. Yeah, no, I've I've seen I I've definitely have seen you horse at, at marathons and, and also of course you know yeah. active in, in different communities. So now that would be that would for sure be a good interview. Um, and he does a lot of terrible horror games and some gimmick uh, retro games as well, like Bishibashi Special. So you know you can have a lot of fun content there. I think. No, absolutely. I you know the the whole retro space is is so so funny to dip into because I feel like it's a mixture of. The games we have nostalgia for, but also like the mm-hmm. games that are from the same time period that we never played, and it's very, yeah. very. Have you had any games like that? Because like it sounds like 102 Dalmatians and Spyro Two were both games that you had played, but there's yeah. a, has there been another 3D platformer of that era? You're like, I never played this, but this looks just like these other things. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of them out there. Like, I have seen friends play Tide of Tasmanian Tiger, for example, which feels like it's a lot of the same thing, but it was never one that I really noticed as a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, Papa asks, I guess me, if I've had Fru on Overboost. And the answer is yes. Actually, I'd, I had mentioned earlier that, you know, the I had broadened the scope of Overboost after, like, five episodes. And Fru, Casey Fru was actually my very first kind of general speedrun interview podcast episode so that's like overboost six and i also i did have him on we did an agdq 2021 preview episode um that i had him and plywood and amber on and that was uh, that was a lot of fun too uh make asks uh do you have any opinions on the recent phenomenon of uh often indie devs uh, designing games to appeal to speedrunning or speedrunners, and I think too. Also, I, you know, I, I've seen these posts on our speedrun or or another place. I actually had a dev um, when I was I was running a game recently, and they kind of reached out to me like, "Oh, what would make this game friendlier to speedrunners?" As someone who's both you know doing community management professionally and also doing speedrunning, do you have any thoughts about this? 
I actually didn't realize that was a phenomenon, but I have to say that sounds really cool. And that's definitely a niche that you would probably want to have uh, as part of your community as well. Because, like, you know, if you have a speedrunner, they're going to put a lot of time into your game. And if they really like it, they might, you know, bring it to marathons, which gives, you know, more, more people to be familiar with your game and who might pick it up in return as well. So I would say that's probably a smart thing to do. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The, the way that... Um, I, I often see this framed, you know, because I, I think the idea of attracting people who are passionate about games to play your game in a very public manner seems mm. a pretty smart idea. Um, yeah. And but I, I, it's often hard for for me because I think the the two examples I would point out. I recently, Murangi Generation was a game where uh, the developer you know showed up in in my stream while I was playing it and doing speedruns of it, um, and they're coming out with like a patch in the future that's going to make it more speedrunning friendly. Uh, and then also I had a Twitter interactions with a uh, with an indie dev who's working on a game called The Chameleon, which was recently featured in the Haunted PS1 collection. Are you familiar with those? Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't okay. actually seen all the games in that, but I am familiar with the collection, yeah. Okay. So that was a game that's like, you know, again, that PS1 aesthetic, and it's a stealth game, and, um, and they did like a small uh, contest, like a little, you know, here's the demo, whoever beats it the fastest... You know, get surprised. Actually, it was, it was someone that I knew, someone that I work with. Occasionally, ended up uh, uh, capturing the the prize for that. I think it was like sixty dollars on Steam or something. Was was the prize? So you can buy whatever game. Nice. Um, and so, but it's it's often the hard thing is that I, especially when you see posts on the speedrunning subreddit, um, it's this like they they come out and like, oh well, th- this game is for speedrunning. And the the thing I always say is that like. You got to make a a good game and then get the quality of life later. Is like, oh yeah, for sure. Because that's the, that's the thing I always try to say is like there is no innately good speedrunning game. I I can't stand two D platformers. Get them away from me. I never want and like some people that's <laughs> what they do. That's like what they love yeah. is two D platformers. So you know I, I think the bad news is you have to make a fun game first. I guess maybe. Yeah, and I mean, there's no guaranteed success just because if speedrunners do pick up and like it as well, maybe you get, I don't know, 10 active runners. But if unless it spreads from there, you only have those 10 people buying your game, and that's not really sustainable. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I would, you know, it's, I don't think it's particularly common. My understanding is that it is not common in the world of gaming for uh, most studios to share their sales numbers. My understanding is it's hard to get that mm-hmm. information. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and so, but I would be very, I would love the data on like post GDQs <laughs> just for all, all of the games that can be legally acquired, of course. Like, you know, my, yeah. I definitely had a few anecdotes where people are like, oh, Just Cause 3, I'm going to go get that. And, you know, and of course it's regularly on sale too, you know, stuff like that. So. Um, I mean, it might be worth looking up because I know a lot of if it is a publicly traded company, they'll mm-hmm. usually do annual or cu- quarterly reports where they do publish sales figures. So, you know, it is possible maybe to dig into those and try and find something. But I don't know exactly how detailed they will be if you can actually find specifically. Oh, yeah. GDQ had a big impact on right, this game. Right, 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 right. Uh, all right. Papa mentions enjoying speedruns more where the games get broken in a way that the developers never intended i don't know it's it's hard like yes but also tally how do you feel about the the arbitrary code execution type of speedrun has that ever i mean it really depends i think it depends (laughs) on the game because spyro 2 again going back to that is definitely one of those games that you break it apart so easily because Mm -hmm. it has a feature or a trick that is called a double jump 
that was obviously never intended because you can skip out of bounds and like almost immediately by yeah. doing that. But it is also very fun to be able to do that because you can jump pretty much anywhere you want through double jumping. <laughs> but it's definitely not intended. But there are some games as well where I don't think it might be fun maybe to do it in that way. It really depends on the game again. Sure, sure, of course. All right, we got. I think we got a two-parter here from Chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you expect from the speedrunning community in the future after COVID when people can finally come together again? Oh, good question. Uh, I don't think I actually have any expectations, but, you know, GDQ is still going hot because I feel like it's going to keep growing every year. More events are popping up. So, you know, I hope speedrunning can keep growing as a whole and to get more respect as well, because I would love to see especially more collaborations between studios and their speedrunning communities mm-hmm. in the future. I think that would be awesome to see. Have you uh, have you done a lot of traveling to events? Because, I mean, if you've been speedrunning mostly for a year now, the answer is... You really probably haven't had an opportunity to go to an in-person event, uh, but given the opportunity, would you expect to go to a an ESA, a UKSG, or even as far as a GDQ? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I was actually going to do that. I had plans lined up for you know TwitchCon Europe, which I think was supposed to happen in April 2020, but then you know March 2020 happened, and all those plans kind of fell apart. But yeah, I, I do as soon as it's safe to do so. I will definitely start visiting events, and then I will be a GDQ and also general games industry ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, that, I was I. I'm usually not a person who was always so big on traveling. And then I, I had a very good experience at TwitchCon 2019 in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be able to make AGDQ 2020. But after that, I really want to start traveling to events. Mm. So yep. <laughs> perfect timing, as it turns yeah. out. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we'll we'll see where we get from there. Uh, and then, yeah. okay, so uh, Chaos asks generally, uh, what are your personal goals uh, or achievements you want to reach in the future. I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume that's you know in the nature of speedrunning community domain. Uh, do you have, have like general goals at X number of games or uh, go to certain events or anything that you'd want to put up there as a perspective of goals or achievements? I mean, I would love to actually be able to go to a GDQ and maybe even like actually be featured. Uh, I am planning to submit now for the first time ever for a GDQ event. And even though I'm not expecting to get in, at least not now, that's like a pipe dream to be able to show something off at a GDQ or to be able to host for them as well. What what is your uh, what would you say is your your major your first choice? If you could have any game automatically in GDQ, what would it be? I'd probably do another Alan Wake's American mm-hmm. Nightmare because the Hotfix show, I'm I'm really proud of how that turned out. It was a lot of fun. And I think people watching it had a good time as well. So I would love to be able to do that at the actual main stage for GDQ. Because I, I think that would be a good one. And like it's a bi- more bite-sized one as well. I don't think the main game would work so well. It's too long. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. It's you know, it's a frustrating thing where you know, and, and understandably, this is not uh, me criticizing how they organize the event, but mm-hmm. necessarily to justify longer games, you want to have you know, games that are very broadly popular. So you will have longer yeah. games, but they're going to be the very, very, very most popular series. Your, your Zelda's Pokemon, Mario, etc. Um, but it's, it's exciting. Once in a while, you get something different. You know, I know last, uh, at AGQ 2021, we had like golden sun, you know, a lot of people were very, uh, very excited for that sort of, uh, you know, that type of RPG, 
uh, you yeah. know, appearing in the big event. Do you have any favorite GDQ runs that you remember watching? Because I know you mentioned that watching GDQ was something that you know got you interested in speedrunning. Are there runs that you would point back to and say, like, oh yeah, I remember watching this one, and I was I was just hooked from there. Yeah, uh, Dice's is Nightcry Run, uh, which I think was at last uh, AGDQ. That was so much fun. And uh, like it, he says it himself as well. That's probably his best GDQ presentation of all the ones he's had at a GDQ. So, yeah, if you like horror games and kind of shitty horror games, that's definitely something so much to go back and look up. It's It was so fun. That That is a really, really good VOD. That Nightcry, I, yeah. I remember I watched that Nightcry VOD back again before I talked to Dices for the podcast, and yeah. it is a good show. That, that was my introduction to him, and I went to follow his private channel, and since then I've, you know, been pretty much always watching him almost whenever he streams. No, that's excellent. Uh... Oh, well, <laughs> Papa had a very uh, <laughs> a not optimistic comment about COVID. I don't know. I, you know, there's, you can, if you want to doom scroll about COVID, that is something you can do on the internet about all of that. I'm probably going to go ahead and say that's outside the scope of this podcast, but you know, there are resources on the internet for you. Uh, if you want to, if you want to doom scroll on that. Uh, I choose to hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, let's. I have you. Um, I mean, I I was able to get the first shot of the Moderna vaccine a few weeks ago, and I think I want to say maybe like, uh, like nine days from now, I'm I'm due to get my second shot of the Moderna vaccine. So hopefully, you know, that's that's mm. good news. Uh, have you had any luck out your way? I don't know. I've I've heard that. I've heard that America is very selfish about vaccines and it is harder to get vaccines in the rest of the world. So I don't know how it's going where you are. Yeah, no, uh, there are vaccinating, but they're still pretty early on. It's mainly the elderly and the healthcare workers still over here. And I'm probably less in line, which, you know, it's fine because I probably, even if I were to get it right now, I wouldn't, you know, start going out anyway. I would still stay inside, you know, keep socially distant and all that. So I'm fine with waiting in that sense. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too, right? Is that the... The thing that needs to change, of course, is the number of new cases, not yeah. that everyone gets vaccinated. Hopefully, the vaccines will contribute to the drop in cases, but that's the you know that's the most important thing that we're all exactly all, all waiting for. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully that means um, there'll also be p- fewer people suffering through it. I, I, there's been a few people in the in the speedrunning community, you know, who've gotten gotten COVID, and it sounded. Like it was real garbage, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eternal Enigma. Yeah, I think Enigma has, yep. yeah. Yeah, Enigma. Someone I used, to, someone I used to watch for speedrunning. Um, uh, Puri had had dealt with it, um, and mm-hmm. may, even had some some long haul type symptoms, which you know you definitely don't want to see. Uh, yeah. So you know, hopefully, we're reducing the number of that, uh, folks. We still got, we still, got, we're still hanging out here. We're still on the on the front page, actually. <laughs> um, got anything else? Um, all right, we're reaching the bottom of the question bucket here. This is, I guess, I must be. I'm a, I, I think I got so flustered by that just cause one speed run that I'm like, I can't believe all the things that happened. Yeah, you had the worst luck possible by the things. Like you got the marathon. Oh, that's never happened before, and everything. I have, I have never seen that game activate a like a, a conversation prompt from across the map. <laughs> like, yeah, that was shocking. I do not know why that happened. And I want to. That's going to be haunting me uh, for the the foreseeable future. Um, yeah, right. that, that's how it goes sometimes. 
Have you played? So we were talking a bit about remedy stuff, uh, and you said you, you, you've watched Control speedruns. Uh, you are aware of the Alan Wake connection in the in the Control DLC, um, and now you're. But your your first plan is also to, to go to Quantum Break. Have you played the? Because uh, you know the original remedy stuff is Max Payne one and two. Have you played those? Mm. I actually haven't, but I've been thinking that I should probably add those to my list as well. I uh, might pick them up because I know the Max Payne 2 at least was out for the PS2, so I've been debating, you know, maybe that's something I should pick up and, you know, play it with my new capture card when that mm-hmm. comes in. I wonder what those would be like on... I mean, I imagine they'd be fine on console. I have no idea. I, I, I think I, you know, I got them cheap on Steam or something and played them that way. Yeah. Because uh, I know Alan Wake has references uh, back to Max Payne as well, so I think mm. it would maybe be fun to play those that actually properly understand those references. Yeah, I mean Max Payne. What, what's you know Max Payne has these like extended TV bits that you can find as a kind of like a sub story mm-hmm. in the same way. I think Alan Wake has maybe some similar things too. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, so it's it's fun. It's it's great. You know, it, it, it does. Uh, not a developer doesn't have to make the same game every time, but oh, it wait. is fun when Remedy includes those those kinds of special touches. It's kind of like flavor, like a signature, I guess you could say, yeah. on how they make their games. And I really adore their style personally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're they're definitely very good. Is this uh, is this uh, what I'm going to butcher this name? Can you say this name beginning with a Z in chat? Do you have chat open? Uh, Chaos Katsu. No, 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 no. The previous, the Z one. Previous one, Z one. Oh, Zetsbisek. Zetsbisek. I'm gonna I, mean, say- I think that's right. I, okay. I usually just call him Zets. I recognize the name. Okay. Is this, is this an American Nightmare Runner? Is this? Is uh, it- he has picked it up because of me. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you will see him on the leaderboards, but okay. he runs Dishonored as well. Oh, okay. Just uh, that's a classic speed game. That's a mm. all time all time big one. All right. Chaos uh, has a, a more some more some more good questions here. What do you find to be the most special attribute about the speedrunning community? You know, what, what does it contribute to, to the mainstream gaming community at large? And what I find fascinating, or the most fascinating thing about speedrunners to me is, like, their passion. Because you might watch a speedrunner and they might, you know, complain about the game in the moment. But if you look at, like, the hours they put into a game, like, most runners will have the amount of attempts they have on a run visible on the live split. And, like, you can find people with thousands, even tens of thousands, or, like, potentially even hundreds of thousands of attempts of a single game. And it's just, it's so crazy how much time people put into a single game. And I, I adore that. It's, I really respect that hustle. No, it is It is definitely very interesting, especially when you see uh, all of the, you know, all of the, like, especially the people who really do go deep on one game. Uh, like mm-hmm. I, I had a recent guest where they did they were north of ten thousand on like one of their major games, uh, but it, it yeah. paid off. It was a game they loved. They got the top time. They took the same game to GDQ twice. You know, it was definitely it was very very interesting to see that pay off. But the the dedication to uh, the the craft, especially the the singular focus, is oh, yeah. it's interesting. But also, I I, I find what's um, I'm the sort of person, you know, I'm a very variety-oriented person. That's true both of games broadly as well as speedrunning. And I feel like, you know, if if I put more than 200 hours in a game, I'm like, wow, I put a lot of time in that game. But, <laughs> you know, if, when you see discussions about the amount of time put in games happen in discords, usually what happens is there are a bunch of Dota or CSGO players lurking. Mm. And they come out and they're like, here's my screenshot of Steam where I've played, you know, thousands of hours in one of these yeah. games. 
Um, and, and I don't know. Like, I, I guess I, I would. It, it's difficult to compare them because the the rhythm of playing Dota or CS:GO is different than the rhythm of resets for a speedrun. Mm-hmm. But it's it's worth thinking about, especially in the singular focus tier, because right? you know with with Dota or CS:GO, you're going to be getting different players, different heroes, different maps. Whereas yeah. with a reset, it's usually same usually the same rhythm. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some games I mean, going back to Resident Evil 4 as well, like, it's crazy. I think that's one of the bigger examples for how some individual runners just put so much time into it. It basically becomes their career, if you want to be, especially if you want to be competitive in it. It's so crazy to see, like, the work people put into that game. Do you have, so we're, t- we're talking about, you know, the support that the community brings to the games uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> and the effort they put in the ooh oh thank you apparently okay I guess I left I would not muted well that that alert that audio alert is making it to the podcast <laughs> thank you uh, very much Papa for uh, also throwing out some gift subs to some folks some excellent folks in there I guess I'll I'll put the little thing in there where you can uh, get some uh, secret sub channel in the Discord and of course I have a, the way I organize casual games is that people can pick pick a game and it goes into a list and i have a whole poll system so uh, anybody who's hanging out in here uh, you are welcome to to avail yourselves of that resource um the thing i was going to ask was um you know we're talking about speedruns, the resources that uh runners bring to bear on the singular games that they're focusing on uh one of the things that's been interesting to me is the rise of um, I guess use like uh, modifications with a speedrunning bent, and I think the number one term in this area is uh, randomizers. Of course, mm-hmm. um, have you dealt much at all with randomizers? Do you have a particular take on them? Because I, I normally, I, normally, I, randomizers is something that I would have only mentioned to like people running Link to the Past. But every time <laughs> I have a guest on. Uh, there's a new randomizer for a new game. Uh, I mean, I've had Hollow Knight randomizers, Kingdom Hearts 2 randomizers. Um, so I'm curious, do, have you had any interactions with randomizers, either as a speedrunner or otherwise? Not really, no, but I know Resident Evil has uh, randomizers as well. I believe the original remake uh, has them, and it's it's really cool to see. And I imagine that if you do put as many hours into a game as we just talked about that maybe it's a nice way to like you know keep things fresh because you may know your routes you may know your tech but now you suddenly don't know what items you're getting and that's gonna like change things up and gives you a completely new way to like think about the game and how to handle things from there and really test your familiarity i guess with the game oh right there's a randomizer for ghost runner was that oh i was that made by fans or was that by the developer because i know there are there are some very interesting examples of developer made randomizers i mean famously the resident evil 2 for n64 has a randomizer mode which is astonishing um mm-hmm. oh by okay by fans that's really interesting i i have not i i had been following ghost runner a little bit because um i'm a you know fan of brian Otto, uh and he had been mm-hmm. very much into ghost runner around the time uh that came out. randomizes enemy spawns have you have you played it, Zets? Is that something, or are you just you're just kind of sharing the news about it? I'm curious if anyone's actually played it. Yeah, I'm curious about that as well. I haven't heard about that one, but I know Ghost Runner has had some interesting speedrun focus. Oh, I believe the they had okay. a demo as well, mm-hmm. uh, where they had uh, whoever speedruns it would get a prize or something. Oh, right. there was yeah, there was a big speedrunning scene around the demo for that. I mean, yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, a first person movement oriented game. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
that was definitely a smart move from him i think yeah i I mean i talked before not not every game is necessarily going to be speedrun oriented but like clearly you care about the movement in that game (laughs) oh yeah for sure that that makes sense uh Chaos has uh, another. Oh, we got some. Oh, we got thoughts here. We got esports thoughts. The most important thoughts. Oh, uh, big debate in Germany if esports is actually sports. Like, uh, is chess sports? Uh, do you have hmm. thoughts about? And actually, Chaos, if you have any further clarifying questions about this, because the way I'm reading this is, I, I'm reading this like there's a meme on on the internet that whenever like ESPN two or ESPN three shows competitive video gaming stuff you always have these comment sections full of people like what is this video gaming doing in my you know my sports channel um (laughs) and so i don't know if this is what if this is what chaos is touching on or if um you know if it's it's something else how do you feel about esports in the universe of sports and for me personally, it makes sense because I mean, sure, it may not be the physical sport as some of the other ones are, but you still have, you know, muscle memory is a huge thing, and you know, the mental thing as well with like knowing what to do and how to handle things, especially if it's like an RNG game or like we talked about randomizers just now. If you're doing a randomizer, you know, it really tests your ability, but maybe not in the more traditional sense. But I feel like that doesn't mean you can discount them. It's just a modern continuation of sports, really. Mm-hmm. Or that's my take, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel like I, you know, I have um, a professional background in in intellectual property law, <laughs> and so I, I feel like the the thing I always get preoccupied with is how. You know, video games necessarily have these um, these IP law problems attached to mm. them. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm gonna call them problems because, frankly, as long as copyright is like uh, longer than any of us will ever live, then that's a problem because <laughs> it mm. means copyright the- really needs to be modernized. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real it's a real struggle. Um, and so what's what? But well, the reason I bring it up is, of course, you know, like. I can I could go I don't know broadcast film a baseball game and Major League Baseball in America is not going to be able to stop me unless I started using their logo or something like that but that's mm-hmm. really trademark you know I'm I'm I would be yeah. pretending to be Major League Baseball rather than just filming a baseball game uh but if you know technically speaking when I stream uh League of Legends you know or or Smash Brothers maybe that's the better example uh, you know, Nintendo <laughs> yeah. could be like, no, that's our, that's all those images in the game. That's our stuff. You can't do that. I can, we can, yeah. you know, uh, prevent you from doing so. Um, and so it's like, I want to believe, you know, that this kind of competitive gaming stuff can be the same sort of, you know, long enjoyed storied thing where people play it, people coach, people watch it, you know, much in the same way that people, you know, follow season after season of their favorite soccer or or baseball or whatever. Yeah. Um but it's hard <laughs> when people own the rights to the games, you know. I I don't That's like part of why I think things like speedrunning and the fighting game community excite me is because of how grassroots oriented they are and how mm-hmm. you know, if if Nintendo forbade all streaming of the, of Mario and Zelda games tomorrow, uh, there would still be a speedrunning scene. There would be a chunk missing, but there would still be oh, a yeah. speedrunning scene. For sure. 
but yeah, I don't know. I I hope I hope uh you know that that competitive gaming. I I hope that competitive gaming will be uh, a normal and you know I guess uh, gainful and productive thing. You know, I I think maybe my big besides the intellectual property stuff, I would also say my biggest concern is that the uh, esports will develop the same problems as sports. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's of course a concern. You know, yeah, what, I've seen a lot of comments from people as well where they're like, "Oh, but it's not the same." You know, they're not you know physically exerting themselves in the same way, and like, sure, it's not the same thing, but it's still you know a physical test. Like, mm-hmm. you're still honing your skills, just not in the same way as you would with you know more physical sports. But still valid, in my opinion. Right. I mean, there's still, you know, I think a competitive aspect to it. And, you know, and you get all those different things like, you know, reaction time and age and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. don't have any, I don't have any issue considering it functionally uh, basically the same. I, I don't think the, yeah. the athletics is necessarily uh, a, a requirement. And, and, I, and I say that because, you know, I, I don't know, I enjoy watching a very slowly paced baseball game. And, and obviously there is, <laughs> there is some athletic showmanship in baseball but it is a slower paced game and that's fine mm. i i don't really yeah. you know i don't have a problem with that i know some people think that's boring but um what are you what are you going to do that's the beauty of life i feel because there's so many things out there that if something bores you then you know go on and find something that doesn't and let the people who do enjoy the boring things you mm. know let, let them enjoy it because clearly they enjoy it all right i'm just scrolling here through here i think we had, we had some enjoyment of my 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 excess uh, comments about esports i think but um <laughs> all right as a part of the gaming industry but also someone who games yourself do you have any specific criteria uh for what makes gaming enjoyable like are there i mentioned before i think i'd ask this question are there things in the game that make you want to speed run them but i think this mm-hmm. is maybe broader than that which is are there criteria uh, that are necessary for you to enjoy a game? And then also, are there things that would make you not enjoy a game at all? Uh, not really, I think. Again, the main thing for me is that I have fun in the game that I play, and that applies you know, both casually and on the speedrunning sim. Like, what I tend to drive towards is story-driven games. So, you know, if it has a good story, it's more likely to hook me than if it's, you know, something that doesn't maybe have that much focus on the story. You know, that makes <laughs> Papa's escort missions. Yeah. No, yeah, I hear yeah. that. Uh so everyone's main that and auto scrollers, especially if you're talking about speedrunners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Copy Fox asks, uh, do you have games that you would recommend for new runners based on your experience? Oh, well, uh, Alan Wake's American Nightmare. <laughs> I have gotten two people to pick it up already, and it's actually a really easy game to get into, like, especially if you do enjoy that kind of game casually as well, because like, there is tech to it, but it's easy enough to do where you can run it without having that much practice and still get you know, a decent time. So, however, if you do want to go competitive, there's always, you know, the bigger aspect of you need to put a lot more work into it. But it's one of those things that are, you can do, I don't know, a couple hours of runs and you can get a decent time and, you know, be happy with it. Between Spyro 2 and 102 Dalmatians, which is more beginner friendly? Uh, 
Uh, I guess that depends on the category you go for. If you go for Spyro 2, don't do what I did and go for any percent. Because uh, I remember asking the runners about it and they told me the same thing, but I still went for any percent. And yeah, no, that was not the best beginning experience at all. Like the general tech in Spyro is easy. Like the double jump, super easy to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the skips, not so much. So, uh, I guess 102 Dalmatian, especially the category that I currently do, which is all levels inbounds, super easy to pick up. No, that sounds like the way that... I mean, honestly, it obviously depends on how easy or difficult the uh, mm. you know the, the glitch is, right? The inbounds or out-of-bounds yeah. sort of thing, but that definitely makes... Oh, Papa asks... I guess this is, for, this is a question for me. It's just cause three mm-hmm. easy to pick up. Um, I would say... The Sky Fortress category, which is the one I did for AGDQ 2021, is pretty straightforward to pick up. It does not ask you, because the, the hardest part of learning Just Cause 3 is doing all of the uh, memorization of uh, the things that you have to blow up in provinces to get the, uh, you know, to unlock further parts of the game, uh, which you'd have to do for any percent. The Sky Fortress category sidesteps that. So if you're interested in Just Cause 3, I would. Look at those runs and focus. And then those are also nice. You know, my my PB for that's low forty minutes. It's a nice length. Not you know, not two and a half, three hours. So uh, yeah, don't start there. I would yeah. say if you're just picking up speed running for the first time, you yeah. want something shorter and more bite size. No, I would definitely, I would definitely go go for for a Sky Fortress. Okay, uh, so yeah, thank you for all the questions. Uh, we'll we'll be wrapping up here in just a few minutes. Uh, for but if anyone else has any questions, you know, speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, Zets is a Darksiders is beginner friendly, but it's actually really, really hard. Is that the yeah. is Darksiders the one where you you just like constantly dash and there's like the one arena stage where you just sort of float out of bounds and wait for things to spawn in and fall fall and die? I might be thinking of a different run. I feel like yeah, I've I'm not super that. familiar is, with okay, Dark Siders, right. but I know Snets, and I know that he doesn't want to run it because it kills his hands. So I would say that probably doesn't sound like the best thing to start with. Who am I think? I watched someone do a run of this recently, and now it's going to bother me unless I can. <laughs> that was Henny. It was Holy Henny who runs this game. That's what it was. Okay, I I, I knew something in my mind. Um, uh, do I need confidence? I mean, I would love to see more runners in Just Cause. No, no, no game for Just Cause. I think the most active that whole series has ever been at any one time was a few months after Just Cause 3 launched. Uh, there was one month where four different people did runs. And that was the height, the height of Just Cause series speedrunning. <laughs> and it's never really recovered since like March 2016. Uh, but. <laughs> You know that's that's fine. I I get I get why people don't want to spend time on it. Does it have the same issues as you had in uh, Just Cause One with uh, crashes happening fifty minutes into the run and other weird stuff? Uh, Just Cause Three. Does Just Cause Three have those issues? Um, Just Cause Three's biggest technical problem from a performance standpoint is that it just doesn't run well. Um, and so you need to have, like, if you are not trucking around with 16 gigabytes of memory, you will be punished. You will a hundred percent be punished and which is less of a problem now than it was in 2016. Mm, oh yeah. Sure. Conflicting interest. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> okay. <but laughs> there is totally, um, there's, there's one mission where you, 
you just need a cutscene to play to end the level. Normal stuff. And mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't happen. And what that means is that you have to reset to a checkpoint. Resetting to the checkpoint, though, undoes some of the stuff that the speedrunner does. Like, for example, one of the things that you do in that level is that you avoid getting heat. And mm-hmm. otherwise, you would have to get rid of the heat before you could let the cutscene play. So that makes sense, right? You avoid ever getting heat. You can go straight to the cutscene. That's fast. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if the cutscene doesn't play, then it's actually slow. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, unfortunate. <laughs> so that was, that is, yeah, no, Papa, Papa is correct. Um, all right. Well, it is about time. Do you have a raid target that I could send people to? Oh, I haven't looked. Let me have a look yeah, real quick. Take a quick. look at your following page or whatever other resource and we'll see, uh, where things are. Seems alive. Yeah. You don't have anybody. I, I see at least a, a few people. I could, I, one of whom I could bother. So, oh, I see one actually. If okay. We're in the mood for some Dishonored Two speedruns. Sure. Uh, can just uh, drop you the name and Discord there. Okay. All right. Let me get that. All right. So yeah, it's two o'clock now. Uh, I will go ahead and queue this up. Uh, let me do that. Discovering new things about... Yeah, there we go. All right, excellent. Well, thank you so much uh, for giving me all this time. Uh, this was a lot of fun. And definitely a, a... I mean, great to talk about these games, but also I definitely very much appreciate you uh, you providing all your, your professional perspectives as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, It's been great to be able to talk more about what I do and what I like. <laughs> it's kind of fun that someone takes an interest in it. I'm I'm glad... I'm, I'm so glad to, to have all these stories shared. So uh, now I'm really, really happy for that. And uh, But anyway, I'll let you get to your day uh, and end the call. And hopefully I'll see you around at an event sometime in the future. I hope so, too. Thank you so much. Excellent. Take care. You too.